Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bingetown TV and our coverage of Amazon Prime's Wheel of Time. So this is episode two, Strangers and Friends. And before we get into the actual episode discussion, I have two things I want to discuss. First is going to be a shout out to Darwin Nunez and Liverpool. And then the second one is going to be that the best way to support us, if you would like to do so, you don't need to do so right now, more than, you know, more than happy to let you enjoy the episode, see if you like it or not. And then subscribing, whatever you're listening or watching on, just the best way to stay up to date with kind of what we're doing. We're kind of all over the place in terms of drops. We have no schedule. We just kind of really busy. (laughs) And we're also (laughs) super busy. We're covering like two shows right now. So (laughs) we're like super duper busy. Um, But we just cover a wide range of stuff. I'm sure, you know, if you like Wheel of Time, you'll like some of the other things that we've covered. So best way to stay up with us is just subscribing and then contacting us. If you want to chat, we Twitter. We do Twitter at Bingetown TV. You can DM DM us. And then uh, Discord. There'll be a Discord link, I believe, in the episode description. And there is one in our Twitter bio. Uh, so you can just chat with us about Wheel of Time and other shows, TV, movies, all that kind of fun stuff. All right. Now, getting into us talking about this actual episode, what you are here for. Like I said, episode two, Strangers and Friends. This is a chock full episode. There is a bunch of shit to talk about. We will see how long this takes us to get through everything. Uh, we got a lot of lore drops, information, world building character moments, character introductions. Um, so without further ado, I don't even know if we, we just want to just jump in, right? We don't even want to give our overall takes on anything. Jump yeah, right let's in. Just jump in. Dive right, on first, in. And I guess an overview like we did in uh, episode one, we'll take all of the buckets, the storyline buckets on their own. So we'll talk about Rand and every, all of his scenes. Then we'll talk about Lana Moraine, all of their scenes. We'll talk about the White Tower. And then we'll talk about the Hunt for the Horn. So that's, I believe, our table of contents for this episode. So there it is up front. So Rand... We didn't get much of him in episode one. We got one scene. We get a whole bunch of scenes here. He is opening our episode. And uh, so we meet Rand. We meet Celine, this mysterious woman that he's with, which was like, whoa, okay. I mean, we knew he fucked from season one, but like, okay, goddamn, he moves on pretty quickly, I guess. What do you uh, mean? He's we having know, nightmares. We, we're well aware of who she is. She's just Lizzie. She just moved, obviously, it's true, into yeah. this show. Yeah. It's just, do you think this is pre or post Tommy Shelby? Oh, she's moved on. She's moved she on. She talks from about, Shelby. yeah, moving on from her, <laughs> yeah. uh, her past. Oh, <laughs> so true. Was, it's totally she was Tommy, about Shelby. Tommy Shelby. Yeah. Yeah. Many <laughs> cycles, many yeah. cycles of the wheel past. <laughs> Some dangerous guys. She's Boom. It's all canon. Everything Netflix has ever done is all right. Netflix. <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Netflix, Amazon combined cinematic universe. <laughs> Um, neither so, on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, neither on Netflix. <laughs> but, well, I guess, yeah, fuck it. All right. Um, so we kind of get, in my opinion, two key pieces of information here is that Rand is having consistent nightmares and now he's hearing voices in his head. Yeah, that no was. No one has a. T- okay. <laughs> no, 100%. 100%. Because I was not expecting the Dragon Reborn to still have these voices. Like, I don't know why. You know, it goes with everything that they were saying. You know, every male that touches the one power eventually goes mad. Um, and we kind of knew that rush going in. But for some reason, I just didn't think these voices were going to be there and even affect them as much as they are already. And. <laughs> I'm kind of like, I kind of want to rant a little bit. It's not really a rant, but I was a little disappointed because I thought at the end of season one, he was like going away to train and he was like, let me figure this out by myself. I didn't know he was like hiding and maybe he is training and they haven't like shown it or anything, but I thought he was going to try to be focusing on how to use it instead of like hiding from it. And that's totally just where I thought the show was going to go. So I don't know. How is that not exactly where it went based on the end of the episode? 
Isn't that what the whole purpose of him going to the asylum was? Was to find Logan and learn? Oh no, I just I didn't know he did that on purpose. I th- I totally thought that was oh, all. Like that fucking smirk on his face that seemed like it was, <laughs> that was a plan. Yeah, that's kind of what I got yeah. out of it too. And also, I feel like he like in his head, he killed the Dark One. You know, so like his uh, like okay. mission, the mission part of it is over. He just now oh, has okay. to like live his life, mm-hmm. and it's like managing living his life. And he doesn't want to be around the people that he loved or loves currently because he, you know, if things don't work out, then it'll be bad for them. Um, I mean, that's literally the dream we open up with is his nightmares. He's killed all of his friends. And I thought the sound and like the music in this episode was really, really good. Um, this They were really good with the dream sequences in season one. It's nice to see that they're continuing that in season two because the dreams, obviously, as Moraine said in season one, dreams have power more than you know. Uh, it's a big part of the book. So it's nice that they're kind of nailing, in my opinion, these things. Yeah. And I have some basic thoughts on just the Rand storyline. I mean, that was just a jaw-dropping moment when Celine showed up in that in that opener for me and Kyle, at least. Uh, she's amazing. I can't wait to see more of her, Natasha, in this season. She's going to be so good. But I originally thought what this storyline was going for when we find out that Errol, uh, Rand's friend that he's kind of taken care of, was a Bladesmaster in the past. So I thought he was doing what Paul was talking about in terms of sword training. Like I thought he wanted Errol to teach him sword forms and how to use the heron mark blade a little bit better until the end when i thought that the whole flip reveal was that Logan was there gentled and he's like miserable and rand kind of has that cheeky line like you know more than or we have more in common or whatever so i'm thinking that this yeah. whole time rand's in this in Kyrian in this city looking for some sort of mentor because he's like one of the most He's the only relatable person in the world, I guess, is Logan. But so that's where I think the storyline's going. But it, this is awesome because this is all new stuff. Like none of this is book accurate. This is one of the biggest divergence from the actual source material. And dude, I think Rand looks great. Like his his attitude, his body language, like who he's interacting with, how he's interacting, everything so far has been hitting with me. And um, it seems like episode three should mostly be about him, especially with that's how the episode ended and left off. And that's like the thing I'm looking forward to. But this was like a like super interesting divergence from the book. And I'm I'm here for it so far. Certainly I this rant. As well, as kind of and I'm sorry, Dave, but like yeah. it's a little bit of both. Like he's kind of I don't want to say getting lucky because like we'll learn that that's not necessarily a thing for Rand in in this scenario and in kind of the way that the mechanics of the world work if you know for lack of a better term but it's kind of like like Errol is teaching him sword forms right and so like, he's picking that they up they talk yeah. about it so I th- and he says like I'll bring my sword I'll try to bring my sword again so it feels like they've had obviously these conversations these interactions mm-hmm. it's been months so I think that's I don't even want to say a cherry on top it's just kind of like that's been a great byproduct almost of this like long plan to get to Logan, mm. mm-hmm. the drop of the, the way I took it, you know, Heron sword is just always so cool. And when he dropped yeah. that, because like now that obviously they probably fought together and just getting any history on that is sweet. Also, right. When he goes to get him out of bed, you know, Rand has the line like never in my dreams or I wouldn't dream of it. And Kyle, you were saying dreams have powers and stuff like that. And he's just waking up from that crazy dream. So it's a little cheeky, cheeky bitch thought you're good also um, he fixes the horse is that right out of the book too or is that just a random <laughs> drop I, I was racking my brain trying to think of a type like what symbolism that might be showing but i came up completely empty so if you're listening out there anybody and you have a take on it please send it our way because i came up blank it's but, Rand that knows about horses matt matt 
Matt, Matt does. Knew about horses. Yeah, he's the horse trader with he's no the horse. horse trader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just watched that episode with Alki. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, just some important kind of, I guess, world building slash lore, or I guess more that we get from Arrow beyond the sword forms is um, just like we're getting this reinforcement, I guess, of like Rand looking like an Aielman. He talks about the Isle War. Obviously, Errol's kind of seems like his mental condition, if you want to say, is uh, he has some PTSD from that war. Um, we're just kind of, you know, we're learning more that the Isle are really fierce warriors. The women in the Isle culture are especially fierce warriors. And just like as a little callback to, I mean, everyone loved the the cold open to episode seven, which is like, you know, um, presumably Rand's mom fighting in the, in the Isle War. And then Tam kind of comes up and saves her. Just like bringing that together to episode one, we learned that Bale Doman's from Ilian. In the fight, she's fighting people from Ilian. Possible, obviously, that Errol was maybe affiliated with Ilian in some way. So they're kind of introducing these concepts. And while they're not giving us a map, we're still getting these reinforcements of like countries and factions, even though geographically we might not really know where the fuck we are at any point. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The Sorry. asylum, I thought, was an interesting concept that the the show decided to go with, just because I, I honestly I didn't really expect to see this level of like I don't know I, I don't even know mental what health like acknowledgement yeah, <laughs> exactly yeah I guess and my first thoughts immediately were kind of like maybe not immediately but I was thinking to myself like what are the all these people are obviously they're a little crazy they're all acting a little strange the ones that are in the rooms and everything and. I had I kind of had this thought in the back of my mind that potentially maybe these are just like ex gentled guys, and then it kind of got almost reinforced when we saw Logan at the end. Now again, I have no idea if that's the case here, and I'm assuming it's probably not because this what's his name again? Sorry, the the guy that ran's with the older guy, Errol. 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 Yeah, he yeah obviously seems more like a swordsman because when he is like falling over and he's like showing Rand like specific swords moves that kind of like dismissed it. But for me, I was just like, these guys are actually like mentally decaying. And I just wondered if it was something to do with maybe all the reds that have been gentling people and they just kind of gentle people throw them in this asylum. And that would kind of explain why Logan's there as well. But that's just something that I had was thinking of. I thought it was a really cool take though. I did not see expect to see Rand's putting himself here in this kind of position like luke said it's definitely a divergence from the books but i i like the idea behind it especially like on, on the way there we see like rand walking through we, we now we learn obviously that we're at the foregate where we're in kyrian we mentioned kyrian last episode this is where bale doman found um that piece of hearthstone slash quendiar that um him and moraine had that interaction with and the poem itself and I had said we were going to, you know, we'll find our way to ca- ca- to Kyrian because I had watched episode two at that point. So <laughs> I was, you know, foreshadowing a little bit. And then um, he like we see him walk and he's like giving that kid money. And like Yosha, the actor, literally said like he's read all the books. He's actually he's on a reread right now. And he said like he added that aspect in because he's like he wants to be like it's obvious that Rand is like a good person. You know, what I mean, that he's like he cares about people, poor people, everything like that. And I think this. That scene, plus the fact that he's working in this institution while he has ulterior motives, I think does do that good like character building, character development on him. Mm-hmm. So it's like justified for fucking beating the shit out of Slash almost killing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, totally. And Hodrick <laughs> look like? Yeah. I did oh a, my God. I, honestly, I took this as he was just beating the shit out of him because he was a piece of shit, not because he wanted to take his spot. So, I mean, I respect this whole ran storyline and beginning a lot more now that he's he wasn't just running away i thought he was just trying to hide the fact that he's making moves makes it way better the long I think hustle, they kind of like yeah they, they kind of beat us over the head with it a little bit with the extra long stare 
that he's like watching Errol like give his credentials to the guy at the door and then he gets like let into the courtyard. I felt like that was kind of them basically saying that this is what it's about. Um, yeah, but there was no way of knowing what that was going to lead to. Oh, I literally just took it as like this guy is just doing his job as well. Like he works with Rand at the asylum and he's just showing his credentials. So he's allowed to leave. I legitimately did not think like it was implying that he had a specific job in the courtyard w- dealing with Logan. I just thought he was like checking out of the day's work. Like he bullied this guy and he's like, all right, I'm going to head home now. Right. I guess I'm. It was different for me because they had released a scene that will happen in the future of like a conversation between Rand and Loghain and Loghain kind of mentions talks kind of about like motivations and motives and things like that. And I that like I had seen that because they released it as pre content before watching this. So it kind of knew that like Rand was going to have a plan to do this. So I guess for me, obviously, I was coming with more information, I guess, obviously, than someone that didn't watch that pre released content. Mm-hmm. All right, I want to make a, a quick wild theory right now. Love Put it. it on the board. Um, the little kid, the little boy that, that Rand gave coin to in the very beginning when he was walking through the market, uh, he's going to come back and he's going to help out Rand in a cool way. Or Rand's going to kill him in rage. And that's what's going to send him <laughs> over the edge. Hey, wow. He's right. going to kill him and he's going to be like, holy shit, I need to learn how to contain these powers. I was like, okay, wholesome, wholesome. I like two, it. Two <laughs> options. Two options. That was also Just immediate like, murder. Supporting the, the fact that Rand is a good guy in this village. He's yeah. he's giving coin away to this little kid that needs it, and then um, gonna murder. I think later. that him giving coin to the kid also, I feel like, emphasizes just how corrupt the uh, the madness is that you know men can go through when channeling so i if he's really emphasizing the fact that rand is like this wholesome genuine person no matter how wholesome and genuine are even if you are the dragon reborn you're still susceptible to you know being overcome by this madness so i like that extra touch and i mean like it says in the beginning with celine and him they have a conversation and she's like you're late on rent but yet he's giving out his money to this little poor kid like that you know Mm -hmm. just like we're just reinforcing this idea of of rand as like a nice person that helps people i guess is the point i like how he the tortilla chost i mean i'm calling it a tortilla because that's what it looked like to me but it's yeah. like my friend and then he throws it <laughs> every morning that'd be that's that's great i want that kind of rapport with someone <laughs> one day quick uh quick question on when he actually beat the shit out of the asshole yeah. later that night i couldn't tell because i'm still new but were you able to uh, distinguish which weaves he was pulling on when he beat the shit out of him, or was it just like one big mess? You mean like earth, air, yeah, spirit? Ah, no, not at all. No, because so, they do do a really good job, at least in the White Tower, when they're specifically yeah. healing two two different colors and showing that combination of the weave. I didn't know if he can even control that at that point. I assume not, and it's just I didn't know if it was like one. It was like the Avatar, like one element takes over, or if it's just like all five at once or whatever. You got to think about this. The other piece of it too is that the male half is corrupted. Like we know that for a fact. Mm. It's what makes everybody crazy. And so whenever we saw Logan channeling in the first season, it was covered in the black corruption. So I don't even think they're going to be able to visualize that even if he was capable of separating it because no matter what he's anytime he's touching the power it's going to be touched with corruption so i don't know how they're going to treat that if they're thinking about it as granularly as that and i hope they are just for our sake but at the same time like i think it's just going to be probably black for the most part is what it I'm wasn't though, which thinking. was interesting. It didn't look to me. It looked like it I was, was like very gold and yellow. You know I was just I mean? gonna yeah. make that comment. I would just say my take would be that like at this point in Rand's, I guess you could say channeling journey, it's just like pure raw power output, almost like Nynaeve. Like when Nynaeve channels, it's literally just like a burst of like kind of like silvery light, pretty much. Mm-hmm. 
Or like all five. Yeah, and I kind of feel like it's the same for Rand at this point. Would be my take on that. Of just like it's mm-hmm. just like an a-, a power outburst. Like he didn't even mean the channel. He just like it just happened, and he fucking fucked him up a little bit. Yeah, but it's all- also I think was important that Rand runs away before Jan coughs. I thought that was on purpose. Where like in Rand's head, when he comes back to Celine, like he thinks he killed him. Mm. But in reality, he's not actually dead. Oh, but he's like, not. That just kind of feeds it. Yeah, into, he moved. He like no, he moved. Yeah. I, I was I looking thought, for just because he was moving. Then wasn't didn't well, mean true. he was about to die in like ten seconds. Yeah, so no, like, that's a good got, point. But, so uh, okay, I, I think that that was on purpose. I got you. And I was all asking about that because I didn't know if there was going to be like specialties, like some Isodai or magic users specialize in just air or just earth or something or spirit or something like that. And I didn't know if he was going to be one. But if all men are just corrupted, then that's awesome. And if that dude's dead, that honestly seems like more problems because I guess he doesn't know it was Rand. He was pretty fucked up. Yeah, no. There, I don't think mind. he's caught a glimpse yeah, it of won't that. Get you. And especially okay. when you're in like the well, the foregate is like the little slums outside of the city. Like no one's going to fucking. No, they had it on camera. They had it all on camera. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be on cops the next morning. <laughs> but all right. We get a, so we get a very vulnerable Rand comes back to Celine. Clearly, I think they've been in, they've been implying up to this point that they have never really had a physical relationship yet up until this point. She makes the comment like all these nights together, they all end the same. And then obviously, you know, this happens. He's very emotional. He's on edge. And we kind of get to see the other side of the coin for Rand when he's like very aggressive and violent with her in this scene. And she she liked it. I liked it. I into it. <laughs> I think she liked it. I was nervous. We all That's liked it. Come on. <laughs> it was pretty good. I was nervous he was going to lose it for a second. And just to skip forward a little bit to the pillow talking when they're yeah. having the whole conversation of, you know, I remember somebody else when I'm with you and I can help you forget the other person when you were with me were any of you guys getting magicians vibes at all when um quentin and some other actors they t- do the potion to change themselves to make them look like the other person's ex oh, and they shit, yeah. yeah no wow. i was getting tommy shelby vibes the whole time <laughs> yeah i mean how could you not <laughs> it's actually really funny but that is a good callback paul I, oh now what I is her it. name i know her name it's like april green street or something like that April I could be so wrong, but it's something it's something like that. I'll find it. I personally, I thought the dialogue was really well written for this scene. Um, maybe it's like cliche or something, but I don't know. I thought this was some of the better dialogue that they've written. Um, it's just, I don't know. I just thought it was really, like a really well done emotional scene. And we kind of do get a good like idea of where they're both coming from in the situation. I mean, Rand obviously starts the conversation with like, I don't want to hurt you. That's kind of really informing us about his mental state. That's why he is in Kyrie and alone because he doesn't want to hurt the people that he loves. And now he's potentially wrapping himself up in another relationship, which is like mm-hmm. classic behavior. And yeah, then, Emily Greenstreet, uh, Emily Greenstreet. Really <laughs> so close, so close. close. Wow. And then, yeah, like we've mentioned, this storyline kind of just wraps up with the fact that Rand now has the position that Jan had. He will encounter Logan Ablar in the garden and he does the cheeky little line where I think we'll have more in common. So that's obviously quite the cliffhanger for his storyline leading into episode three. What a fucking banger of an ending, man. Holy shit. I'm so excited to see that interaction because as we're kind of talking through all this, I'm just in my head. I'm thinking because Paul was bringing up, oh, does he know how to channel the different elements or whatever they're called? And. I'm sure in his mind, he's looking for someone who can train him on how to wield that kind of stuff while at the same time also minimizing, I guess, the amount of madness that he experiences at the same time. So it only makes sense that I guess that he would come across Logan. And I'm sure he had this all planned out. He just seems like even in this, what has it been, six months that we said since About, he, yeah. he fought the Dark One. So it makes sense that he's just looking. I think he's just looking to also build upon his powers a little bit more while not 
overdoing it and fully succumbing to the madness. I'm I just can't wait to see how him and Logan interact and how Logan actually you know is handling himself well because it's been again six yeah. months so he looks he, bad he looks yeah terrible. he looks terrible but he hasn't <laughs> again i guess it's a positive that he hasn't killed himself so i want to just know a little bit more of his story on how he's coping a little bit i right. feel like uh he's if rand ever reveals that he can touch the one power which i assume is going to come up in conversation or something like that I, I just picture Logan as like, come on, give me a taste. Give me give me just a little taste. <laughs> yeah, probably. Like, yeah. Give me a little that's bit. Like Y'all got and any like, more of them channelers? Yeah. <laughs> and like that's how he cooperates, is like he just wants yeah. to like be in touch with the one power. That'd be interesting. All right. Any final I, takes on the ranch? Yeah, story? dude. I was gassed the fuck up when I saw Logan. And I just should have known because I have seen the trailer. I know yeah, what I was saying. <laughs> but I don't care. I was living in the moment. And when that happened, I was so excited. Question for the rooks is how do you think this is going to go? Do you think Logan is going to be interested in doing this? Is there going to be some has some pushback? Like, how do you think is this going to be a smooth relationship, rocky, antagonistic? Like, what is this going to be? a great question to be honest i feel like it's going to be rough in the beginning and smooth out over time hopefully i could see Logan maybe going crazy and trying to like kill rand and rand has to kill him back or something like that but i assume they're going to work together because rand needs the knowledge and Logan looks like garbage and mm-hmm. rand can probably help a little bit i mean i could totally see them going with uh, Logan potentially going like the jealousy route, like, oh my god, like one, he still has the ability to channel two. This is the actual Dragon Reborn I'm looking at. Like, I don't know if jealousy would be in a factor or if he's maybe a little bit envious and is like willing to teach him because he actually is the Dragon Reborn and maybe can sense his power within him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I were to lean one way, I'm gonna, I want Logan to be one of the boy for the boys. So <laughs> let's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hope he's, he's on our side. I want to add that. In Loghain's mind, you got to think that he thinks Nynaeve is the dragon reborn, right? Because I think that was the whole idea of like uh, Moraine saying to him, like, your your power is great, but it's like a pin drop compared to the dragon reborn. And then he sees Nynaeve do the explosion before he gets gentled. And he's like, Mm -hmm. oh, and he says, he repeats it as he's like crying, seeing how much power she has. So I think in his head, Nynaeve is probably the dragon reborn. Okay. Interesting. I like that too. Yeah. I don't think I ever thought of that perspective. I don't know. How much I agree, but that's definitely 100% my book reading bias. So, well, well I, mean, con- I don't know. I feel like I know. I'm just has to be I, I how could, he thinks. Otherwise, think, yeah, that was a really yeah. bad scene in season one, then, because that just mm-hmm. kind of says like everybody can be stronger than Logan. But I don't know. My last comment about Rand is I brought this up to Kyle in our long car ride home from uh, Luke's house after watching this. I was hounding Kyle with like a hundred questions after the episode. <laughs> I was just so into it. Um, but this one I just want to throw out there. Rand in season one, when Min is looking at all their futures, Rand is holding a child and he actually looks how he looks right now with the shaved head. Not much, if anything, is literally the same age, if you know, whatever. My only thought that I'm just going to kind of throw out there that doesn't have to merit a response or anything, but I'm just thinking, like, how soon after all this is complete is Rand going to have this child? Maybe that it was like one spin of the wheel where rand has already beaten the dark one and you know has his child at this point but i just i I can't help but think back to in season one when rand is holding the child he looks exactly the same as he does now but wait the child no no no. like rand like rand has the shaved Uh, hair and like uh, dress attire is kind of similar yeah, I think the child had like dark black hair, and I don't know if we can, how much value we can put into that. But like we, I remember us discussing that 
and saying like, is that not actually Rand's kid that he's holding? Because wouldn't his kid have like red so. hair or um, something like that? So I agree though. I'm wondering when that is coming into play, but I'm also kind of viewing that with like, if there's somebody else's baby that he holds and picks up. Yeah, that that very well could be the case, but it's just something I wanted to bring up again. Maybe it's a different spin of the wheel where he actually is the father there. Two comments I'll make is that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, not like everything Min sees is like would be this spin turn of the wheel. And then okay. the second one is that it's hard because in the books, the visions are like way more metaphorical mm-hmm. and like it's just like a symbol. Like, so it's, you, know, there's just, you there's can just take like, it you know, like it's just yeah. in the future. He's, yeah, he just it's has just like she'll just see like a drop of blood over someone's head. And it's like, okay, okay I wonder what that means versus this feels very literal. But I don't uh, know if it's because it's they're showing it literal, but it's actually going to be metaphorical, mm-hmm. you know, type of deal. So it's going to be interesting, I think, to see how they play out. They yeah, were really fun in that. the books. Yeah, they were really fun in the books. But like, I, don't, I guess it would look kind of maybe too cartoonish if it was like the symbol stuff. So they went with more like literal things. We'll see. Paul, just think Malzahn, Dr- Deck of the Dragon readings, like so obvious in hindsight once you get the reveals, but like you can't, like when they, when you yeah. hear them for the first time, the predictions that she gives, it means yeah. nothing by design. She throws out like them in like, you know, page 250 of the book and then it's like the last mm. chapter they happen and it's like, well, I forgot oh. about that, but yeah, that's Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. It's like some yeah, series shit in The Witcher. Mm-hmm. My final comments will be just wanted to shout out the sword forms because they're great in the books. We get cutting the clouds, kissing the apple, I believe you said before it gets cut off. We get parting the silk and reaping the barley. The absolute number one classic one that we're going to now keep an eye out for is uh, Cat Crosses the Courtyard. That's a classic one. And then uh, Sheathing the Sword is another one that's uh, I just I just remember off the top of my head. But Cat Crosses the Courtyard is a great one. All right. reaping, spreading the silk and reaping the barley sounds weirdly sexual to me i don't know what that is it's all a dance it's all a dance of death Uh, okay all right so we're going to move now into moraine and land's storyline their first scene opens up kind of the aftermath of the final scene of episode one which is that really good um fight with the fades they've been healed they're still kind of you know not back to a hundred percent and uh this kind of storyline is it gives us a lot of information world prophecy level stuff and it also i in my opinion i loved how much it taught us about varin varin's just like really observational is the word that i was thinking of but i don't know if that's the right word to say she just is you know she's very observant about her surroundings she deduces things very well and also i just love the way she kind of deadpan deadpan delivers things so we learned in the first scene that she's coming with moraine obviously moraine tried to sneak out now varin adelaus and tomas are coming and then her and land continue to have this fucking strife between the two of them and they're headed to the white tower even though that moraine has been exiles correct I just have Airbnb hostess is now accompanying them on the journey. <laughs> I love that Baron is turning into an Airbnb hostess. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, there's just a funny little thing in the background of Adelaide asking Lan if, if he wants to be healed more, because that means I guess she gets to touch him more. I thought that was funny. <laughs> oh, I thought that was more of Lan just being like, oh, like, don't waste your energy on me. I'll be okay. I'm a beast. No. No, I thought it was she wanted to get her hands all on his body. Okay. That's, <laughs> That's the way I took it. Uh, but we just get a, like you know another insult. Moraine's like you know tell Tomas to fucking saddle my horse, you bitch, because I don't want to slip off my saddle. And he just like Dude. has to sit there and take it. Yeah, so bad that he just like. just had the conversation that he has to view her as somebody that's incredibly strong right now and whatever she does is better than like killing herself but like holy shit i'd be like god damn marine give me give me at least a little something dude lannis is going through it with moraine's shit right now but i mean you can't 
entirely blame her for what she's going through too but can you be a little nicer to my boy come on yeah so we move on to just a scene that i'm sure we'll be talking about for a long time uh, i'm sure luke loved this scene but uh moraine and Varen just have a very interesting conversation on this cliffside overlooking the white tower we get some big high level shit going on obviously i mean we'll just talk about everything and then i'll sweep up i guess any missing parts at the end of our conversation let me just start because I don't know if you guys noticed, but Varen is always, and we might have mentioned in the first podcast, but she's always wearing her color Aja. It's the brown Aja. Uh, and then later, I think in this episode, the White Tower, we get some drops of like what other colors are supposed to specialize in. And I don't remember, uh, did, I don't know if they said brown, but brown. She said, the library. Not, she said exploring the libraries with our brown sisters. So knowledge. And that's pretty much defines Varen's character, like has no uh like um eq like a no uh, emotional like intelligence and can't really read people that well is more just like objective like kyle's saying so it's kind of funny when she says things i don't know how much the character is going to lean into being uncharacteristic uncharismatic on purpose but that's kind of the, the vibe you get from the book like varen is just like a little bit loopy and just kind of like is it's all about the rationality and not paying attention to people's emotions and i thought i thought she did a great job here especially with just she's talking about like being the the talk about the red philosophy and like basically coming at it for, as like a scholar and talking about the dragon reborn and saying yeah you can't just let the reds just do what they want they might just they might just basically cut off her only chance at surviving this world so she says a lot of good stuff here and then another thing that she says that i was obsessed with was talking about the oath when she makes Moraine say, you're never going to betray me or the dragon or whatever she says. And then Varen has a great line saying, like, I don't know the future. So I could I could say, no, I will not betray you. But like, we don't know what the future has yet to come. So like, you can't predict the future. And that's another way around the oaths and like kind of those loopholes because they can't physically lie. So a lot of good stuff yeah. comes from this. And um, yeah, Varen's just going to be she's going to be important every time she's on the screen, I would think. And every time she's talking, I would just listen up because she's dropping knowledge in some form. She was awesome. So much cooler than Airbnb hostess right now. After mm -hmm. all that shit, she like, is the Airbnb. Oh, 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 okay. I'm sorry. No, you're saying I, like, she's, she's more than an Airbnb hostess. Yes, okay. she's raising the bar for Airbnb yeah, hosts. Like, I, I thought I'm you were mixing her up with her sister. I'm not going to be remembering her for that anymore. I'm going to be yeah. remembering her for her knowledge and yeah, the fact that she was just like, hey, like an oath right now is just pointless. There's no point. Um, but beyond that, when she, she was talking about how the tower has some books that could be helpful, mm -hmm. I didn't get the first one because again, subtitles, but prophecies of Toman Hand was my Tome guess. Head. Head. <laughs> Ooh, even better. Close. It was it was yeah. a body bar, so you were there. Um, Battles in the Sky, which is just, you know, that's hype. And the sword of flame and the branded hand that wields it. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Okay, I put right. that in the board. I'm ready for that shit to go down. Jeez, <laughs> dude. Holy shit. I didn't even no. catch that that well until you just repeated that for me. Yeah. She's, um, she's great. <laughs> I'm ready. And um the just Moraine's reaction when Varian drops the knowledge that she knows she brought back the dragon reborn. Moraine just grabs her knife. It's like who else knows? Does, does Tom or does Tomas know? Does everybody else know? She's like she's ready to just go murder everybody that knows, and that was the test. Was like, hey, I wanted to see how far you would go to protect them if you're going to be the one that helps lead to the dragon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Varen. Not that this. <laughs> I mean, she was definitely the highest riser for me in characters that I like. I'm enjoying and liking from one to two. I mean, I know that doesn't that mean a preview much of now. An MVP pick. 
Potentially, it's very potential. We'll see. <laughs> right. we By gotta, the end, we got a whole half episode. Yeah, but she has been incredible. Like Paul said, that speech with her, with uh, Moraine, just confirming her drive for the Dragon Reborn was just really awesome to see. She did come across as very someone who uses a lot more logic than emotion, but she still feels like emotional. Like when she's talking to Moraine, and like you know, she doesn't want Moraine giving him out too much details about her and how her and Lan first met because she felt like that would make Moraine uncomfortable. Like, but she's still very logical and I, I've definitely been growing on her a lot in this, this spread of two episodes. So good. Luke, you were talking about it though, how she was saying, Oh, our sisters want to cage the dragon and clip his wings. Like mm-hmm. they're blind. That was so cool. And then I have right at the end when she's talking about the books and she's like, I will find them. I just have in parentheses like come like I I just was like oh that's so cool because like <laughs> I thought I thought she was saying like oh yeah I'll tempt you with all this stuff maybe I can find them but she's saying like no I know exactly where they are yeah. and I'll get them for you like yeah. hey just come by come to the fire and be friendly and Moraine's like fuck guess I gotta guess I gotta go to the fire and be friendly right it's my only option mm-hmm. a great part about this is that um. So in in the second book, there's a conversation between Moraine and um and Swan, the Amarillan seat, and Varen is there, and they're kind of like talking, whatever. And Varen's like writing in a book, and then she literally just like says while she's writing, I'm pretty sure this is how it goes down. It's it's in this kind of vein of like, oh yeah, and like Rand's the Dragon Reborn, and they're both like, what the fuck? And they both like immediately grab onto the power and are like, we're we're gonna have to fucking kill this girl right here. And then Varen just like, uh, yeah, like it's whatever. She's just like very like you know blase blase about it. It's really funny. <laughs> this it's I was gonna bring it up because that's literally one of my favorite scenes from yeah, book two. It's really good. This scene like they attempt to do the to do the same thing with the dagger. Yeah, the didn't hit there. as well, but. Oh my god! In the books, yeah, when they they just by reflex both grab the power, and then they're like, "Wait, like maybe it's not the dragon." And then Swan says to Moraine, "Like, come on, we just grab the power. She knows. Like, we're this is this is all out on the yeah. table right now." And then they continue with this sort of conversation, and it's in the same yeah. vein. You're right. And then they kind of rope Varen in. Now she just has to be Ferda. Like you, pretty much. That's why Moraine's kind of trying to make her swear the oath. Like it's nice now that we have more people on our side. Because I mean, in reality, there was what seven of us, eight of us, counting loyal. You know, we're pretty outnumbered at this point, trying to fucking fight against the Dark One. So it's nice that we're adding Varen onto the team. And I guess by extension, Tomas, her warder. And just like another interesting thing, it's I mean the Toman head and like the prophecy stuff. They kind of slap us over the head with it. Not that I think it was a bad thing. It's just in the books, it gets crazy. Varen tells us them in the books as well it's just that like the way we learn them is a lot different it, the patent fane kind of like is imprisoned and like he breaks out of faldara that's kind of like the line of it i can see people being upset but like in reality the changes they made it had to kind of happen this way i don't really care that much i think more the fact that like we're getting you know the tome head battles in the sky i don't i'm not totally you know married to the idea that it has to come from the way it gave us in the book the fact that we're getting it and we're going to get more of it i think is more than enough for me Mm-hmm. Just curiously, can you like retire from being an Isidai? Like, is Varen yeah. still okay? Like, all right, and then I'll follow it up with: Is Varen still an Isidai? Like, I've- yeah, hers. So her situation is a little different. Um, okay. this is she, she's been technically combined with another character. She's kind of swallowed up another character okay. storyline. So in the books, her and Adelaus aren't sisters. There's another character mm-hmm. that Adelaus, but they're like twins, and those two are like on a sabbatical, I guess you could say, writing this, you know, history of the world since the breaking that Varen mentions here. Um, And then like Moraine and Lan go to their villa and like study with them for a little bit of book two. But they're just, uh, Varen's just kind of eating up part of that storyline, which makes sense. I mean, Varen seems like someone who would also be down to write that book. So 
Yeah. And the retirement on thing, a sabbatical, basically. The retirement thing is something that will be minorly explored at some yeah. point down the line. I was just curious because it just it felt like these two were retired because like they just lived out here by mm-hmm. themselves. They just had a quaint living style. I just wasn't sure if yeah. they still, you know, work for the Aes Sedai or not. But it sounds like like Kyle said, like their time is just mostly writing the history yeah. of the world. Yeah. So and she the- has a great line of like, why would I want to write about history when it's being wrought right in front of me? You know, like she right. doesn't care about finishing the book now. Like it's literally happening putting in front of her like she wants right. to be involved yeah which that was also a very hard line i love that yeah which is badass tomas used to bang that was a nice Dude. little tidbit he used yeah. to lay pipe down all i had over this my continent. note was yeah tomas was a fox no surprise yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still with, that look, dude, with that old guy yeah. look you know he was getting that <laughs> the story of how a marine and land met super awesome she thought he was a dark friend he thought she was a mercenary trying to come kill him. And, you know, he baited her with the sword. As soon as she touched it, closed in the 10 paces and chucked her in the river. And that's, <laughs> that's just I mean, a crazy image. I read New Spring like two years ago, actually, like, while we were doing the season one podcast. And to my knowledge, this is pretty much exactly how it happened. I also like that they threw in the, the Chimera thing from um, Malkir. Like uh, the fact that like that's like a custom. I mean, you could, I guess you could say whatever you want about the custom, but the fact that they included this lore detail in, I thought was was fun. That um, older women like purposely take young boys' virginities to like show them the ropes. Mm-hmm. It's a little, you know, that's where land's coming from, essentially. All right, so after kind of the fire, then we get more of like a one-on-one talk um, between Moraine and Lamb. They get a little bit of alone time, and uh, it moves from we start kind of reminiscing, and then we move to, in my opinion, borderline betrayal uh, as Alana arrives with her warders to lead Lan away. To the white tower while moraine is going to travel on her own Dude. a lot of things are said there's one small important detail that i'm sure everyone picked up on but just in case people didn't we'll talk about that as well um but just as always you know the floor is just wide open i mean the fuck is my comment what the fuck <laughs> moraine? it's the fucking if anyone here wa- watches or reads one piece is like at least well into one piece reading or watching it's the sanji luffy moment i mean yeah it sucked i mean hearing what moraine had to say right there was just absolutely painful it was just nails on a chalkboard i i everything was just hitting land and you could just see him just retreating every every word she was speaking i felt so bad for him but i'm also getting the feeling that i mean yes she can never lie but i just think she's lying i just she knows she mentioned it earlier with the story of how or when she knew when land was going to be her warder about how you know this he was unfazed by the beheaded trollocs because she had known personally that he'd experienced way worse things and he would be capable of being on his own i think this is just her just saying things to make him go away as like just piss him off get him off her back i don't think she means any of it but it was just so painful to see and len was completely wrung out afterwards i felt so bad it's extra frustrating because he knows that's what she's doing like he's under no false pretenses about what's going on but he's legitimately powerless to do anything about it i think that obviously you know adds a wrinkle to it she's like yeah. doing a trope and he knows she's doing a trope and he tells her she knows he's doing the trope so yeah it's just but he literally can't stop like, and maybe the wheel weaves is the wheel wills um so the note in land's pack was that the one from he, he yeah he stole the poem from her okay that's mm-hmm. what that was. Yeah. And I gotcha. think, I mean, I mean, I think we can infer that she probably knows it by heart at this point. So it won't be that detrimental to her that she doesn't have it. Um, but obviously she'll know, I think, eventually that he took it. I, I was like, was that a love letter that no, he got no. from Nynaeve? Like, I literally, <laughs> I had no idea it was as important as that was the actual writing yeah. on the Hearthstone. Speaking of, holy shit, I like 
she drops this line so casually and i was sitting <laughs> back on the couch taking notes and she says you know uh oh no what was it uh, what cracked at the eye of the world was a seal that kept Ishmael imprisoned. And I shot up and was like, whoa. <laughs> and I just put my laptop down and I was like, pay attention because that just blew my fucking mind. Dark One playing this game all along, probably knew what to do, go there to get this first interaction with Moraine and um, and Rand. I, I mean, I assume he planned that out. So Luke. You, you took it that he is not the Dark One. That's what he, she was saying. Like that we've the, never that, been introduced to the dark one. So I was going to say at the beginning yeah. of this podcast that <laughs> I have to chase. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Dude, listen, listen. I, I got this. Let me take this. Fucking, because, I to, yeah, I just Paul, real have to. I have to change my rankings because the dark one isn't a top three character yeah, for true. me anymore. It's listen, not him. Paul. So this is so, <laughs> okay, if you're listening, me, Paul is just head in his lap, just trying to wrap his head around. <laughs> that's listen. not eyes of Emba. That's not eyes. No, of, it I, is. I was I was hounding Kyle about this. Pause. Pause. Let me let me clear this up because this is something that's been on my mind since season one. One, and I'll explain two things here. So one, this reveal in the books is one of my favorite reveals ever because they they play it out longer in the books. It goes like three books deep before you find out that the person that we think is the dark one is the whole time is Ishmael. So what she says is that we didn't actually defeat the dark one at the eye of the world. What we did was released his his strongest lieutenant. So basically his highest general. So of and if you go back to the beginning of season of the premiere of season two when he is talking to the little girl and he's saying me and the other chosen me and the other forsaken what he's saying is that he is not the dark one and he is just the he is the top rung of all of the chosen slash forsaken whatever you want to call them and that's what that's amazing because we have yet to see the dark one and this is just like his strongest general so keep that in the back of your mind and then the one thing i want to say that amazon fucked up but then they fixed it was in at the time of season one when it was coming out if you were to ever pause an amazon show the names of the characters and the actors on screen pop up and they say the name of the character they're playing. So all throughout season one, anytime you saw him, you paused it. It wouldn't say the dark one. It would say Ishmael. So if you were paying attention, it was ruining it for you right there before this reveal, so which was dumb. supposed to come out this season. But when we were going through a rewatch, they actually went back and fixed it. So if you are to watch it for the first time now, you're not going to have that spoiled for you. But I was very adamant of never letting like Dave, Alki, anybody pause episode eight when they were around me like Kathleen. I stopped from pausing at times. I was like, you can't pause here without me like ruining something huge but i'm super happy that this is on the table now because then we can stop like dancing around with dancing yeah. around it because i've been avoiding calling him the dark one i've been calling him like the father of lies because I, I just don't know how to really you treat did it. say that yeah so yeah. that this is but that is also his name like his one of his nicknames but now that it's all on the table like just i love that this reveals out there and we can talk about it because this is our first like official introduction now knowing that this is the head forsaken so that's where we're at. So, so the, who we saw, the guy with the beard, eyes of ember, he is Ishmael. Yes, we're okay. We're gonna so, we're, just, we're gonna pronounce that name a bunch of different ways. Um, but yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, Ishmael is like a Bible name, so that's probably why I'm pronouncing they, they, it like that. I, I think they've been using the pronunciation of Shamael. Um, okay. I mean, I, we're gonna say a bunch of different ways, and people will understand what we're saying. Out there. Ishi is he's called Ishi a lot yeah. in, by the uh, fandom. Yeah. So he was tr like imprisoned there in that Hearthstone, but he was still able to like go out and give visions. Or was Correct. that okay? Yes. There's there will be an explanation for that. It's gotcha. not a plot hole. 
but that is a thing. Yes, that he Holy, was able to. Your other com- your other comment too was something that I had asked Kyle in the car ride home about the eyes like Ember, but like Kyle, of course, did, wasn't willing to give an answer because you know spoilers and whatnot. But I had made the comment like. Okay, so they were talking about like the dark one in season one having eyes like Ember. Maybe it wasn't specifically them saying the dark one has eyes like Ember. I guess there was, we were under the assumption that they kept getting haunted by a figure with eyes like Ember. And I guess Moraine took that as the dark one. So I I was at the same way, but Ishmael, top three favorite character right now, not the dark <laughs> one. <laughs> so, Holy shit. I am yeah. viewing everything completely differently and it's, now. That was crazy. But it makes just, it better, right? Because the idea that oh, this yeah. isn't the final boss, because this is, yeah. think about 14 books, you're getting the final boss like this early, and he, Rand's kind of beating his ass. The end of book one feels a little weak to milk for 14 books, so it only makes sense. Also explains no. the smile on his face as he was getting sealed away, which yes. wasn't being yeah. sealed away. That's what yes. like, yes. I, remember, I, made, I made the comment when we were doing season one of when I said like the ending is going to be crazy when we look back on it soon, because like I remember reading the first book and being like, it's over. Like, how are there fucking 14 of these things? Like, we literally <laughs> we just did it. And then Rand is in the same boat. He's like, oh, my God. OK, I killed the dark one now. Now that everyone knows I can channel, like they're gonna want to kill me because I've served my purpose, so I gotta fucking get the hell out of here. So that I mean, they're they are in the spirit of that, like all of those things are happening. They did, if you were really, really paying attention, because they introduce the idea of the Forsaken. I mean, they introduced it in episode three. We get the first time Dana mentions um, Shamayil. Then we get Stepin is doing like the ritual to the Forsaken idols. In that scene, they say Shamayil, the father of lies. And then last episode, when Shamayil is talking to the little girl, he mm-hmm. says, like, people call me many names. The father of lies is right. the first one that he does, basically. So, like, they technically told us last episode. And I fucking hate that they, the line that Moraine says, like, we didn't kill the dark one or we didn't seal the dark one. Like, we let his strongest lieutenant free. Like, they used that line in promo materials, which was like, Stupid. I don't know uh, why. That's yeah. lame. Oh, so you're saying like it spoiled it just yeah, right it was, out? The like, bat. We watched yeah. the trailer and I heard it and I was like, why the fuck would they put that in? I mean, whatever. <laughs> that is why exactly. I don't watch. Why I don't yeah. watch the deep dive trailers. It's yeah, just like it's it not worth it too much. Yeah. Like, Either way, he's a beast and he's but, still yeah. a great character, even Insane. if he's not the dark one. But, but they have been planting his seeds for like specifically for like a very long time, Dude, which is now, nice. Yeah. We, me and Alki had just watched episode three last night and then like at as the episode ended, he like randomly of course started asking all these questions about Ishmael and I was like this guy better not fucking figure it out by the time he gets to season two I'm just <laughs> I'm gonna be so fucking pissed because he's like hounding me and I'm just like oh yeah like we just it's what they just said you know like he uh, was the one that was like well I guess I'm gonna just talk about this real quick or have questions about this so Ishmael what we were told by Dana in episode three was that he was the one that brought the dark dragon reborn to the dark one and we still remember his name thousands of years later yep does that mean that like Ishmael, <laughs> whatever his name is, Ishi, did he receive powers as a gift from the, the Dark One for bringing the Dragon Reborn to him? Like, or was he always powerful and then brought the Dragon Reborn? You know, like these are the kinds of things that I'm just wondering again. You don't have yeah, to answer. Fun this question. Is just, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just something I'm a... throwing out there because obviously <laughs> we don't know. It's just was I'm just I and I just want to know if whether he was 14 a human books, star Dave. Or, I also am something I think that it's I'm assuming and I hope the show leans into as well. It's something that books did a lot. And Dave, we talked about this in that car ride. It's like the idea of the unreliable narrator. So since the events 
with like Ishamayil, the original dragon, and then the breaking, which like ruined the world. How much actually survived of like actual like firsthand accounts of things and knowledge and stuff like that. So like there's the idea that like information has been corrupted over thousands of years and like we might not actually things might not be actually what they were like what we think they were they weren't actually that way because it's been you know pretty much you know heard it through the grapevine for fucking two thousand three thousand years and then it gets distorted along the way that mm. idea is really big in the books and i'm assuming and hoping that it's also going to be a thing in, in the show oh so, my yeah. god i got like three other oh sorry no you're Round good because go the one the one comment i will make will be like the final pin in it so okay and i'll lead to that because i got a question coming up yeah so real quick when she's saying you know he cut me off with from the run power with the flick of a wrist and land comes with you know it takes eight eyes to die to cut one off um are they saying that all of the forsaken or are strong pretty much as this or it's Correct. just okay yeah she um, said they're they're three thousand years old and the strongest channelers to ever live they make i said i look like tavern magicians you have no conception of the power they wield okay and then i was also thinking over all the forsaken do they have to be male channelers or some female but i think we got i want to say we got confirmation this episode that some of the forsaken at least the ones at the table are female or can be female because of the last and uh, to correct you again that table at the start uh, of last episode yeah. is not the forsaken sorry yes okay. yeah those yeah. are just dark friends because yeah those are just high level dark friends that get you know an audience with the shamayo basically fad and pain are there it's yeah there. exactly he's just a dark friend gotcha gotcha okay correct sorry did um, you say fad and pain yeah i did, did. I did. That, is, that is awesome <laughs> i thought you were doing ah, that on purpose <laughs> no you could just let it slide it's fine i, I, I did I, just, um, I thought i heard it but i just yeah. one funny. last all right this end scene with uh moraine just the line you never seen the forest through the trees because I've never shown it to you. That was a season one callback, correct? They talked about seeing the forest behind the trees. Like I do the big believe picture so, yeah. of shit. I just love that analogy, I guess, and that's why I remembered it. But that was sweet. Um, and two at the very end, you know, when uh, she actually reveals that the dragon reborn is alive, and she basically she didn't lie to land, but she danced around the truth. Um, and he's all upset and says, you know, I swore myself to be you because I trusted you, you know, tell me the truth. Like we were never equals. And she looks at him and, and she says, you know, we were never equals. I am hoping that she's like, we were never equals because you are so much. Better. Yeah. Oh my God. That's yeah, yeah, totally what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Anytime she says words like that, I'm just, you just you can't take them at face the value. Yeah. Exactly. yeah like what? Like I'm so surprised that Lan, like when at the end of season one, when he's he's like, "Where's Ran?" and Moraine looks at him, he's like, "He's gone." It's like yeah. so obvious that like she's not saying he's dead. It's like Lan has been doing this for 20 years and still yeah. can't pick up on these cues. I'm I'm two seasons in, and I could fucking pick up on the cues. Like it's definitely like <laughs> yeah, you well, think, we're not equals. We're you just... think he'd be well trained, but also I mean, at some level, you're kind of hoping that your eyes to die would not fucking lie to you like that. It, so he also yeah. literally just got hit with the without the bond, you can protect me you failed without the other oh. two i'd be dead yeah i think like, he's getting one, fucking that one hurt haymakers after haymakers that was the one that like yeah, made that pissed me, me off yeah that was that well he was does say that i should have he says earlier at some point that like i should have sensed the fades he might say it in this conversation i don't know if they've the really i think gone over it like for being weak yeah but like something. the the water bond is supposed to like a benefit of the water bond is supposed to be that you're like sensitive 
to like shadow spawn kind of like how i guess um how Geralt has like the the pendant or whatever that like vibrates mm-hmm. when monsters are around like yeah. uh, warders are supposed to like have like Very a sensitivity cool. to shadow spawn so i think that's kind of what they were getting at there it wasn't obviously completely evident but i'll add on that context for them how about that if anyone else has no comments i have one last one top three character i guess i have two more because i just <laughs> i want to i want to emphasize the fact that moraine says pretty much saying i'm gonna pass your bond to alana and fucking by force if it has to be which is in my opinion an insane line i'm team nynaeve and land now let's fucking get <laughs> okay. after it baby the second one is going to be like this is an insane acceleration and cutting and pasting of storylines from the book moraine and land's story in book two is literally they're at the villa with the sisters and that is it they do nothing in book two so like they had like you can't have rosamund pike in two episodes of a season you know so like she has to be in everything so they need to it kind of accelerate her storyline around it kind of reminds me just as an example is like i'm I, and again potentially a caution of bran in game of thrones where it's like his book storyline got so far ahead of everyone else's that they literally had to cut him out of a season I don't think they're not going to do that to Rosamund Pike. She's obviously way higher on the billing sheet than um, anyone else. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hempstead. I forget what his name is. He has three names, but Brand's actor. So I, at for, when I first watched this, I was like, fuck, like, I literally can't believe they're doing this right now. Like, I don't know how much I like this, but I think the more I think about it kind of logistically, rationally, blah, blah, blah. I'm okay with it. It's obviously giving us good drama. It's creating a lot of good tension between her and Lan. And then it's kind of like, oh my God, well, okay, where's she going? You know, that kind of deal. So mm-hmm. I'm personally okay with it. I can see that there might be a lot of book readers that would not be happy with this. Um, it's one of those things I feel like we won't know if it pays off for at least yeah. another season or two. And I think that they've definitely paved the way for season, it to be good. In this season, I think I'm giving them more of the benefit of doubt of things like this. So. Which is a good thing, I guess, to say. And then the last thing I will say is that we should have a moment of silence for Paul's Tom Marilyn is a Shamayil theory. So yeah. you'll join us in a moment of silence. <laughs> All right. Thank you. So let me just bring us through the, the mat. I'll give you a break here of giving some scenes. Yeah, the mat yeah, buckets pretty quick. I'll yeah, take this quick. Um, I'll summarize the whole thing and then we can talk about whatever because this is a couple of cool scenes still worth talking about for sure because Matt didn't get a lot in the first season or first episode. We kind of just acknowledged that he actor change happened. He's in the White Tower in a cell with Leandrin being aware. So this kind of continues in the same vein. We find out more specifically that Leandrin and the Reds are monitoring Matt to see if there's any residual effects of him having touched the dagger, he's been there. He says that he hasn't touched it for six months. And then there's that really, really fucking funny charismatic moment for the actor that I actually was like, okay, new Matt, when he counts Leandrin walking away, he does all the locks. Like he knows exactly to the, that's the Matt that I'm really craving from the books. And it was a really good moment for his actor to show that he could be funny. He could be, you know, like all this stuff. And then we find out that his Shawshank uh, move worked and he got into the cell next to him to find out. God damn, it's Min. So Min, who we last saw at the end of last season, leaving um, the Borderlands before the whole battle uh, came to be. And we find out that she basically got caught by the Aes Sedai and she's in this cell. We already know that Moraine knew about her. And, I'm, and now you can kind of assume that the other, Aes, uh, the other Aes Sedai wanted her too because of this special power of seeing glimpses of the pattern that she has. Um, there's a couple of cool moments. Didn't expect the flirting back and forth, but I was actually all no. in for it because they, they have some good on-screen chemistry. Um, yeah, and then seriously. they end up 
they end up ripping some liquor, wine, whatever you want to fucking say. They're having a good time. And then the moment comes where she, where we see the vision that she sees of Matt through her eyes, which is him using, I don't know if it was the dagger or a dagger, but he stabs Rand in the stomach. And that's pretty much, and we also find out that Matt like rejected the idea of hearing the visions because he doesn't want to hear any of that. So that's pretty much the whole front to back. I kind of, I sprinted through that, but I'll give you Rooks, like, give me something because this is our first real introduction to the character of Matt with our new actor. So like initial impressions and like, what do we think about him and men? literally cracking the fuck up when he was doing that lock impression and the mm-hmm. steps walking away. I thought that was perfect. Knew everything coming, <laughs> the latch, the chain, everything. It was great. Was um, and I'm trying to, since Kyle said in the books, view men's visions as more metaphorical slash philosophical, like don't take it as it what it is. But, you know, when I see Matt legitimately stab ran in the stomach in a vision it's like that doesn't seem metaphorical like <laughs> yeah stabbed him, exactly stabbed him in the back maybe but yeah. like no you pretty much gutted him and held him as his body fell so i don't know what to take is that except that matt is going to go insane or yeah, it's rand like, is asking him to do it yeah exactly that's where i'm kind of guess trying to introduce that idea of like it could be literally just like matt will betray rand but like it's visualizing itself like that um could be literal like too so yeah and it could be literal i guess we don't know yet from the show so that's i think definitely an interesting thing to keep an eye on of whether it's going to be like that he's like Big i feet. have a terrible pain in my stomach right here get it out and stab me <laughs> yeah. it's actually doing a favor for rand yeah, matt performs an, an appendectomy on him yeah, yeah. standing well, up that's for some fucking reason yeah right there okay a matt appendectomy oh <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> terrible <laughs> Paul loved it. I'm gonna take the W on that one. Um, no, but honestly, really impressed with the new Matt character, really imbibing with him so far. Um, usually not one for big actor changes, if you couldn't tell by the Witcher podcast. If anyone has listened, we're not. <laughs> but honestly, this Matt totally vibing with. Um, definitely am rooting for him and Min as a couple, although I do have some some worries for them. I feel like they would be, I told Kyle this in the car. I, I'm worried that they're a little bit going to be a little toxic for each other. And, you know, they might be like, you know, the, that couple that goes around like robbing people and, you know, it could be a little bit of a rocky relationship. But as of right now, rooting for both of them, Matt's character was awesome. Min is definitely a very interesting character because of her abilities. And I, I just and I'll give more credit to Matt, too, for denying the want to see the future for himself. I mean, I, I feel like that was a little like kind of force fed to us that like oh like matt's really saying no here but at the same time it was really badass to see him just be like i'm not too worried about it. he's just like flicking the coin up and down or whatever it was and just so casual about it i'm I'm all in on matt's character after him having a really rough end to season one with being like depressed for like four episodes straight and not really doing much which again was just a, an effect of the dagger so i get it but now that we're actually seeing him recover and being that charismatic matt that we remember from episode one I, I'm, I'm loving it yeah, his storyline from the books, um, and I believe I mentioned it last episode or potentially was in the season two book readers preview of like, there's a thing of like dagger Matt versus post dagger Matt. And like people tend to really not like Matt as a character so much in books one and kind of two because he is this version of himself that's so impacted by the dagger. And then when he gets like, quote unquote, better, then it's like, OK, this is the Matt we're looking for. This fucking cheeky little bastard guy that just, you know, um, and I think that they're really, in my opinion, Donald um, is doing a great job at like that little cheeky Matt 
and it's definitely coming across well and i'm really excited about it and i like that it was not like oh like the healing has changed your physical like it's just don't fucking comment on it just run and we have so many seasons left that it won't even be a thing eventually so like don't even comment on it mm-hmm. my my last thing i want to just again, just shouting questions into the void of our podcast. <laughs> but I'm writing them down. So it's just like my question is just what is Leandrin doing and thinking? I I get that Matt, you know, had the dagger and whatever he was going through all the symptoms, but it just feels like it's very clear at this point that he's okay. And we know from season one, we have been told. I'm I, mean, I know Leandrin hasn't been specifically told this, but we as viewers know that. We were told that some of these characters are going to become evil. Like they have the Emmons Field Five. You know, some one of you is going to be the Dragon Reborn. Some of you might turn to the darkness. And I just feel like what Leandrin's doing to Matt is just like pushing that darkness onto him. Like he's he has no interaction with anyone. And I, I don't know if it's just because he has a penis or not, but it just feels like she is specifically targeting Matt for a reason I am not aware of yet. And I mean, I'm just. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. Can I fill you in why? Because I know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I know exactly why she's already met though. Because new theory alert, Kyle, write this one down. Um, I was actually rabble, 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 rabble. Yeah. I saw her ring in a different light and it looked like a black ice die ring. I'm talking about Leandrin. Rabble, um, rabble, 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 rabble. Exactly. <laughs> Get excited. So last episode, I was talking about all the dark friends that we saw at the table at the seven pointed house you know what i'm talking about i said there was a black ring maybe it was a red ring and maybe this is literally we have a dark friend within the aes Sedai. and there's definitely going to be a dark friend in the aes Sedai. but i'm going to disagree yeah i'm going to disagree with you on the lantern part i feel like we got enough maybe not i guess because dana was actually kind of talking about like her hopes and dreams and stuff and like she felt like a person and we saw here too that leandrin's obviously take caring for people but that just still doesn't i guess put her out of out of reach of being a dark one so but yeah, i'm gonna disagree so friend, not or, sorry one. dark friend especially because uh when we did see all of them luke and kyle were like did they just give it away yeah they just gave it away so i'm keeping that in my back of my mind trying to figure out what they gave away could have been the long fingernail lady yeah. too i mean they like get her it's like very obvious that they want you to be like okay that's an ice ring that's a a dark friend yeah like that's someone wearing all white you know that kind of deal so yeah Yeah. like i like where both of your heads are at you guys have done a great job of kind of thinking through like steps ahead within like the rules and like what we know about the world up until this point of like what might be coming down the pike okay what's next parent yeah well we'll kind of backtrack slightly so the first kind of white tower we see this uh, the theme of this episode for naive is like we're continuing kind of with this leandrin tutelage if you would say to use that word the first thing we get with them is basically uh, leandrin takes naive to what is essentially kind of like a hospital it's where the yellow aja is is doing a bunch of healing um and she wants her to observe what the accepted can do with the power that's kind of the seed that she's planting in her so just like a little setup scene we we get the confirmation of what i mentioned last episode and that the accepted the girls that are accepted in that that step up ring above novice which is what Egwene and naive are they have those kind of like rainbow droplets or whatever kind of insignia no not insignia embroidered embroidered onto their um cups and we get like um Leandrin does take the crimson thorn root here and all these kind of things and this is kind of the first time we've seen Nynaeve like kind of enamored with the use of the power she's not like afraid of it she's seeing the potential for it 
And then we get what Luke mentioned earlier. Landry kind of explains the specialties of their Ajas. We get libraries. So you can explore the libraries with the Browns. You get statecraft and diplomacy from the Greys. Yellows are healing diseases. And then she has quite an interesting take on the actual point of the red Aja. <laughs> uh, I can see that like the propaganda within the Aja would totally give her this um, this thought line. But I think the the more interesting information we get here is something that we talked about last episode we get confirmation that using the one power slows the aging process in Aes Sedai and they can live for hundreds of years really cool information which really gives you the visualization of that later on in the episode but yeah. it was cool to see that and I was just I think again something I was mentioning I'm just curious if Bran will also be able to have that ability to you know and extend his life a little bit longer so I just want to put this out there because it's not a spoiler. Well, first of all, the males do get the same benefits, but they all mm. usually go crazy and kill themselves or kill everybody. So it doesn't yeah, matter. Okay. There's no like real <laughs> measure. worst yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is but it like a the, spell or is it just something that naturally happens as naturally you touch happens. the one? Okay. Yeah, when you're touching, when you're okay. touching the power, you're basically Kyle's described it it's like a battery. It's like you, you're turning everything up to a hundred. You're feeling everything. You're seeing more colors. Your your life energy yeah. is just up, and that's kind of the idea. Okay. If you touch the one power, you gain you gain these extra benefits. And okay. this is not a spoiler, and I just want you to have it in your head because it's fun for like our kind of conversations. The stronger you are, the longer you can live. Just like yeah. the idea. That's like not like a big makes that's sense. Pretty obvious. Yeah. 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 Yep. Makes sense. And then we get. I mean, Landrin just K Fleetwood's fantastic as Landrin, but um. Nynaeve kind of has a little so pushback good. of like, you know, you can't teach novices. And then uh, Leandrin kind of tells her about the trial for accepted, you know, which is the, they call it the arches. And then she has a cheeky little, I'm allowed to teach accepted. <laughs> so so no. fucking good. Her delivery is amazing. <laughs> man. She is incredible. Yeah. She's just kind of dangling that fruit in front of Nynaeve. Like if you want to do the things you actually maybe want to do with the power, then you'll need to do this. And then we can work together more. So she's kind of just pushing Nynaeve down this path. Because obviously, like I said, Nynaeve actually showed interest in using the power to heal. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next thing we get is going to be Egwene. So Egwene's walking down the hallway and she's confused by just a bunch of luggage in her hallway. And the presence of the luggage leads to a potentially fateful introduction to one of my personal favorite characters. We get Elaine Tracond, the daughter heir of Andor. Um, they have some conversations here where we learn a little bit, but just, I guess, kind of initial takes on Elaine. Initial takes, I thought she was a fucking bitch to be honest i was like <laughs> yeah. she's disrespecting Egwene out here even though i'm not the craziest Egwene fan but she's still disrespecting one of our homies and at first first take i did not like her that much but obviously their friendship develops and my feelings for her also develop too so she's I, I she's growing on me but still not quite there i feel like she is she's supposed to be giving this vibe but she is a little stuck up it feels like yeah i mean totally first take she's like who the hell is this strutting in here but mm-hmm. immediately she almost makes up for it in showing how good of a person she is. Everything rude that she's saying is not on purpose. It's by mistake. Call it like naivete if you want to, but like it, she's not doing it to be mean. She's mm-hmm. just making observations. So yeah. um, she was quite great. an awkward encounter, this first one. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she's like, oh, you guys are just, you're just moving in today too. And Queen's like, uh, not exactly a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, your room looks like shit. You just yeah, move in. She's like, yeah, they, I can't believe they would leave all the rubbish in here. <laughs> that was awesome. Just, that the two rivers, she could tell it was from the two rivers just by the stitching. Yeah. I would be good. able to tell if it was from the four rivers though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dave's, Dave's more particular to four rivers stitch. I know that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think you guys are almost at the point where it's actually worth Googling a map. 
this might be the moment yeah. where like it actually really helps you because yeah andor is just like a huge subcontinent on the continent it's a huge region that she, that she is the the yeah. the what what the queen She's the, the daughter princess. heir daughter she, heir. she mentioned yeah, yeah, yeah. she mentions here that it's the most powerful nation on earth yeah. right um two so, things i picked up on that i was just on and, earth. i'll let you get back into it yeah two things i picked up on that i thought you guys i forget if it's in this chunk of scenes or the next little just world building thing here is she kind of hints at or indirectly says like she used to come to the white tower for training in periods of time so she knows her way around the tower and also she is very much in the same lane as Egwene in terms of using the honorifics like she cares so much and she will put in the work to be like an Aes Sedai you can tell like she's like yep like I'm not gonna rat on my friend or whoever and then she says I'll take the punishment I'll meet Shiriam the mistress of novices like there's a lot of good um character just like outlining here for Elaine and this is pretty much how she's written so like I don't think there's anything for yeah. book readers to complain about yet no I think they did a good job of like introducing the two kind of sides to her she is like a like deep down she's a good person but she obviously has that like very stuck up nature because she lived this very privileged life up until this point right yeah. a few um, things um letting a Gwen show her around even though she knows everywhere that was just nice of her she's like yeah. she genuinely seemed like she wanted to get to know her the way she took the lashings then the punishment right away she didn't actually take any lashings yet but the way she was just like you know if it comes to that person getting punished like i'm not going to give you the name to punish me instead all right i'll see you every morning and she's like all right cool before or after breakfast like she's so fucking ready for it that was yeah. just like hell yeah hell yeah brother and when she was sitting down and saying oh some of the greatest pairings and i said i history were made in these rooms as novices like uh what do you think uh or imagine what the future has in store for us and i'm like dude like the music is building the sun is like <laughs> shining perfectly in the background it's zooming in on their faces and i'm like okay so this is the meaning of legends then like this is going to be some of the one of the best duos going forward yeah, and yeah. you you just nailed it right there but they drop a hall of famers name in that conversation too yeah. so that's 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 just like a casual world building thing or i guess lore yeah. thing where they just say yeah because they name cad swain and then who was the other one it was a I didn't Not, catch this. I've seen the episode yeah. three times, and every time when they say yeah. Catsween, I'm like, oh my God, Catsween. Yeah. Kyle <laughs> looked right at me. He was like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even try without subtitles to write that shit down. I yeah, just said yeah. two legends. But I'm yeah. like, but it's yeah. I mean, not in my opinion. Relevant. Yeah. Malidrin is, is the name to know, but it's like, when will we need to know it? You know, maybe, you know, six real years from now or more. So <laughs> that's just like a little, that's another one of those things they just dropped in on us. Have they already also mentioned like hinted at the fact that elaine is also one of these you know stronger yeah okay was that oh, already not, mentioned not in the yet, show? not yeah, yet okay. but we'll get i mean at this point i mean we're kind of hitting every single elaine uh, and yeah, which is in. perfectly fine i mean we've we talked about the sherry m sadai thing um and then just i guess one of the last things is that um elaine obviously has a certain level of mastery over the power she mentions that she spent the last six summers in the White Tower, that's like a canonical thing, and that like Andor and the White Tower have a very good relationship. So Elaine's kind of been there pretty much for summer camp every every year. So she obviously has this level of control over the power, and I just like that she uses it to make liquor. Oh, what a good party trick, dude! She can yeah, be in the magicians. Yeah. She yeah, can be yeah. in Tada any day. The, the, <laughs> it's literally like how you guys met Dave kid. Smith on orientation at Penn State. Of just he just had a bottle of liquor. It was like, do you guys drink? And it was like, all right, now we're friends for life. It's yeah. Literally the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Orientation so, at the age of twenty-one. So orientation. Can we call? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> should we call Lane Dave Smith for the rest of this podcast? <laughs> yeah, I don't hate that. I don't <laughs> hate that. Um, one thing I do want to 
specifically call out is that um Egwene is like obviously doesn't know who she is even though elaine says like you're my subject that's like a big thing in the books is that like the two rivers and the four rivers are like such backwater little hamlets and towns that like technically they're probably within you know the boundaries of andor as a kingdom but like they don't see themselves as andorans they don't see themselves as subject of the kingdom so that just like was a little subtle mostly just a facial acting on Egwene of like kind of implying that and we'll get more of that in the future mm-hmm. and also i mean just because i love elaine the line when she's like like i hope you'll forgive me if i say this jealousy's not the best look on you and Egwene's like i'm not jealous like i'm not jealous and then she says like elaine like oh i'm sorry Egwene. like i'm literally the daughter heir to the most powerful kingdom on earth like i i think i know what jealousy looks like you know that's just like i think in my opinion that's classic elaine i loved putting Egwene in her place a little bit right there. It's like, <laughs> you were definitely jealous, and I loved yeah. hearing that, and Egwene I just, needed to hear that. I just didn't get what Egwene was complaining about when she was saying, like, oh, whenever I needed her, she was never there. She was out sparring. I was like, what did you She's need making excuses. I think it's just her making excuses, uh, like, hiding her jealousy. She's not actually, like, saying Nynaeve was never there for me. I think she's just more, it's more of the jealousy part, but yeah. it also is at the same time, like, Nynaeve gets pulled away because she's so special, and that like Egwene, I guess, feels, you know, in this by herself, doing all the chores by herself when she could be with Nynaeve the whole time. And I think she's blaming all of that on Nynaeve when none of it is really Nynaeve's fault and her jealousy is getting in the way. The harder she tries, the more Egwene falls behind, the less Nynaeve tries, the farther she gets ahead. That pretty much sums up the whole thing and yeah. how she feels. Yeah. And she's that, like, hearing all this at the yeah. time. Which yeah, and, I, Nynaeve is outside the door. Fucking can't stand I this hate trope. when I do that. I hate yeah. this trope so much. Because it's like, what are the chances that you get there perfectly at that time as soon as they start saying something mean? And what are the chances you walk away right before she says something nice? It didn't bother me until she walked away because it's just like, just keep keep listening it out. Just keep listening it out. So fucking frustrating. I hate it. I hate it when they do it in any show. It's just like it's literally one piece when Luffy is recruiting Chopper or at least like talking about Chopper to like the crewmates and he's like, oh my god chopper's a monster like all this stuff and like chopper's like ah shit like this guy's a douche too and he walks yeah. away and then luffy's like and i love monsters like i want one <laughs> on my crew and it's like ah chopper just stay there for like five yeah. more seconds and you would have been golden well I if oda it. uses the trope then i take it back then it's a great trope <laughs> it was just that one time though. So it's, <laughs> he gets the pass he gets the pass. Now, Paul, i do agree with you though all right now moving into i guess we're going to technically back up just a little bit into so uh alana mask him and yvonne i i believe his name is yvonne they have a meeting with shiriam sadai so shiriam sadai is this woman that's wearing the blue dress she has the white hair they're referring to her to the mistress of novices she's basically in charge of all of the novices within the tower she meets out all of the punishment if they have problems they come to her she's kind of like almost like a like a guidance counselor you could say in a way for like the novice level rank for the middle girls. schoolers yeah and pretty much in the <laughs> tower so then um alana mask him and yvonne come to share him to die and they kind of you know voice all of their concerns about what's going on with leandrin and nynaeve and again we just get this great concept of shit's happening in the world and now we're getting all these strong channelers on the side of the light so it's like something's going down like you know they're kind of reading the tea leaves of the world at this point i just love that concept all right, no one cares. Um, no, so the fact that <laughs> just the fact that she's saying that the wheel is giving us weapons to fight was just like that's just such a cool concept. Like everything you see popping up, and you just knowing that there's going to be much more to come because shit's happening. 
also them just straight up calling out their like red sister like they just know that they, there's like constant strife it seems like between all the different ages it's just yeah interesting that the wheel is producing the average level of wheel like uh people who can touch the one source is like on average they're getting weaker but at the same time they're also spitting out people who are capable of being like the strongest of mm-hmm. all time whatever so i i just thought that was an interesting concept because it, it is maybe not confusing is the right word but it's just hard to keep track of because you know they're they are talking about how they're getting weaker but at the same time they're also getting stronger i know we'll get more into it as the seasons go on and everything but yeah. it's just the wheel is churning as the wheel wants to basically. i would say stick a pin in that I still think it's all related to the dragon, the OG Dragon Reborn 3,000 years ago when he broke the wheel. I think that affected not only everyone's ability to touch the one source of people getting weaker. I think it also has an influence on men being corrupted. Like, I think all that stems from the OG battle of the Dark One and the Dragon Reborn. I'm just, that's my yep. guess right now. And didn't we also get a name drop here? We um, did. Okay. And the context, I didn't write it down specifically, but I'm, it's not a spoiler context, right? I can just say no, not at all. I mean, we've learned so we learned in episode one that there was another false dragon um, that got Dave's loins quite girded. Uh, yeah, um, and then and Girdiest. then we get the we get the name of him here in this scene. Mazram Taim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gonna say if you want to please, I did not time. write anything down. So Mazram Taim, just another great character. So just Ooh. I don't know, I don't want to say anything else, but just just yeah, yeah that that was a really <laughs> cool. Yeah moment there was a lot of really cool name drops like Cadsway and Mazram Taim like yeah. we're killing it this episode um the Ishmael reveal reveal yeah and um, a big concern and we talked about this me Luke Jimmy on the season two book readers preview episode is that there was a concern it was definitely with the three of us but also I think in like the greater context of fans if they were going to combine Mazram Taim and Loghain into one character just to like save us the headache of multiple false dragons but it's fucking fantastic that they did not do that that would have been the worst. I'd rather have multiple fake dragons. Yeah, yeah. And um, he just mentions location. He says Saldea. So at this point, I'm fairly positive. We'll be there that, soon, right, guys? We'll, <laughs> well just there. that we've now we've now named all of the Borderland nations. Okay. So I guess they're they're chipping away at all of the fucking possible <laughs> geographical locations to discuss in the show. Season three map for the intro. I mean, we're fucking. I'm calling out for a map. I mean, someone's got to help Seriously. these poor. Someone's got to help these poor folks out. We had this conversation. I'm just like waiting. Once we get a seafaring trip, then it's game over. Then introduce us the map. You know, once we're crossing mm-hmm. some borders. Well, some they speaking of crossing borders and traveling, they do have their bags all packed together. Um, and they're saying, yeah, the Moraine needs our help. We're about to go. Uh, I'm like, can, can you just do whatever you want as an Aes Sedai, yeah. or are they like kind of like, all right, we'll do this now. Go to the Amalyn seat. Like, we'll take, we'll explain why we did this and take any punishment that like comes to us or whatever. You can like, pretty much do what you want unless you're specifically assigned to do certain things. Like the Mistress of Novices, Shiryum stays in the tower all the time for her purpose and leandrin you saw in season one she was out there hunting down guys across the country you could really do whatever you want as long as you're not betraying the tower and you're being good you know you're you're working on the side of the light and also we do get this scene in episode episode one in season one when um Megan and moraine have that kind of chat and you could tell that there's a level of hierarchy in the ajas um so Megan's trying to basically instruct her like hey you know you got to stay here in the tower and do yada yada while i go do these things Moraine gets around it, obviously, by getting um, Swan to to give her the oath. 
that she has to leave essentially, which is just like we talked about on the podcast, absurd to, you know, the punishment for someone that's never in the towers to not never be in the tower. <laughs> so uh, that kind of writing wackiness aside, um, we do, they does kind of teach us there is a level of hierarchy. Also, we do know from episode one that the Amarillo's not in the tower right now. So it's, I think it's also maybe a function of like mom's not home. So like, you know, the inmates rule the prison a little bit. The next scene we're going to move to, because we've already we discussed Elaine and Egwene about everything, um, is we get Nynaeve and Leandrin. This is, these are two scenes, technically. The first scene is, is going to be Nynaeve goes to Leandrin's door. She gets informed that Leandrin just left, and she kind of follows her. And then it moves into Nynaeve exposing a very uncomfortable secret of Leandrin's. And we get a pretty much... Um, we're, we're on the fence of fireworks. We almost get to some fucking crazy shit, but we don't. Leandrin somehow composes herself, contains herself. <laughs> My boy, um, we, and we don't get that my far boy. Yeah, <laughs> I've so, abandoned my boy. In I've season one, when Moraine says, "Like I know about that man that you visit," I was thinking about you know maybe she does have a romantic uh, relationship, a romantic aspect to it. But the way she talked to him, like my boy, I definitely seemed it definitely seemed like that was her son. And you know we got the healing aspect of Ice Die and everything like that, so they can outlive you know your kids obviously is that yeah, just, confirmed can we say that no i don't know i mean i would say we're 99 there okay so there's I'm, a chance it's not I, i'm just kind of curious mean, if i guess in my opinion just because this isn't a thing in the books um so uh, like yeah maybe there's a shot but like i mean i guess until technically when he, we hear her say like my son or like your son it's i guess it's 99.9 came out of me <laughs> yeah, or that you know or that part yeah we she could also say that he either was, way this, he was this suffering was from like reveal. a reveal he was suffering from a disease right that's just what i want to ask like it wasn't so. like old heart age disease. right like they were saying heart disease right yeah okay just because i wasn't she sure she just said Nynaeve says it's in his heart yeah because it's obvious like it looked on paper similar to the the symptoms that the girl was experiencing earlier when Nynaeve was in the the infirmary yeah. but now the, but she confirms that it's something different the breakbone fever which, but he does look remember, old still, though. Real OGs remember that that's the disease that Egwene had when she was young that Nynaeve mysteriously healed mm. from season one, episode six. So I yeah. knew that. You were just, yeah. didn't give me a chance to say it. Yeah, my bad. If you're a real... Actually, maybe it was five. I don't know. Five or six. One of those episodes. <laughs> Leandrin uh, was right, though. That's what I'll say. Yeah. She, Nynaeve was totally in the girl. wrong. Yeah. yeah. I just, What did she... Ah, where did she get off, essentially? I love She's like, I thought you were going to kill him. <laughs> it's just like what the fuck were you gonna do about it do you think yeah you right, can't yeah. even use the power yeah <laughs> like leander just showed you last episode that she would literally kick the shit out of you oh classic no that's why i was like okay if you want to follow her and get information that's fine but what are you just revealing yourself for it's just gonna yeah. you think leandrin yes yeah, leandrin's so cool before yeah. this like you know yeah. she's not gonna react weird <laughs> <laughs> she's been super chill up until this point <laughs> yeah like what the fuck do you think was gonna happen yeah she gets bitch left i love that leandrin says before i do something we both regret yeah i just it's sad i would have loved to see something that she would have regretted oh, it went down between the two, <laughs> yeah, these two i would have loved to see that i was loving this weird relationship that was kind of cultivating of like her wanting to treat to train her after she got becomes accepted like says pass the test and then i'll train you and it feels like after this scene, like the next thing she says to Nynaeve is like, I, I regret already. I already regret offering you the ability to skip ahead and take yeah. the accepted test. So I, I like my hopes are kind of like getting dashed for that yeah. because we don't know how this works in the books. 
Like this is kind of free balling it. So anything could happen. And I was loving those two being like mentor mentee. Cause that would have been fun for at least a little <laughs> yeah. bit. A very interesting dichotomy. I Leandrin seems like a Hall of Fame grudge holder as well, so it seems like this might be the end of it. They're similar, honestly. Nynaeve is definitely already a Hall of Fame grudge holder the way she's been holding this grudge against the I said I for fucking yeah, 20, 30 years. So. Yeah, they're definitely competing there. And I think a small little tidbit of info they give us here is that Leandrin clearly is not great at healing. I mean, she literally has to steal the route from the hospital. You would think that she could just do it herself and heal while they was literally accepted doing it. Um, I think that's what you're supposed to infer from this because that is a thing from the books mm. is that Leandrin is really not good at using healing. Just you gave that one. confirmation. I just thought it was her just not being unsure of what the disease was. So, Well, her saying, I didn't know it would hurt you. I didn't know it would leave you here in pain kind of goes on with that, Kyle. Okay, I, yeah. Because she also, said, like, I, like, I've been pretty much, they said, like, she's been unsuccessful at healing him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, she doesn't want to go in and say, Hey, can I have all this medicine and be like, Oh, who's it for? And she's like, Uh, so, yeah, but like, what's the significance of hiding this person? It's just something it's a weakness. That... It's, it's, it's a weakness man. for her. I mean, she says literally earlier in episode one, it's like, you know, warders are their weaknesses, they're things that get uh, in the way yeah. while she is kind of, you know, okay. I don't want to say babying this boy when he's an old man and he's legitimately sick, but like, yeah. Just think, just think, um, Cersei Lannister, right? Like, everybody, every little piece of information is leverage over each other in the, in the White Tower because these are some petty hoes at times. So, like, you yeah. don't want, especially Leandrin, who's like a, she just like fights with everybody like you don't want her having a weakness yeah. out there is probably why she tries to hide this. And to my knowledge, this is new. Um, I don't believe she has a son in the books. Right. I don't think, I we, think so. we, we don't really learn that much about her. We know that she was poor when she grew up, basically. And that's kind of and we might learn more about that stuff. But um, I obviously it implies the fact that she had a romantic relationship with a man in the past. I wonder what that guy. Yeah, was it like. gives us hope that she's not going to be always sexist towards men. It gives us hope. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she's just so <laughs> jaded. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, must have been 70 odd years ago. So maybe uh, maybe this is the reason why she hates men and she didn't willingly want to get pregnant. She didn't want to raise a son. And so now she hates well, all, all I mean, men. Yeah. Like Inktar said, I mean, you might not like the reason, but it's yeah, I got to ask the question. Yeah. yeah. Inktar. Maybe <laughs> yeah, something happened. Inktar. She got pregnant, kept baby. All right. We got one just we got one final scene before we get to Lord Inktar. This is just Leandrin, like Luke kind of led us into a little bit. She's leading Nynaeve um down kind of deep into the tower to begin her accepted trials with the arches. Um this is obviously a cliffhanger on that storyline. They do do like the ritual language. It's like the like who do you bring, sister, one who comes as a candidate for acceptance. Is she ready? She's ready to leave behind what she was, all that kind of stuff. That's kind of in my I didn't go back and check verbatim, but I know that like they have like this like rigid ritual sentence is that they have to say. So they're kind of pulling that straight out of the book. The doors open. The music is fucking fantastic. And then we don't get it. We saw some marches. Trial. We'll leave this. I think me and Kyle can leave this alone completely because this is totally going to be the cold oh, open to episode three. So you guys, any thoughts you want on the board right now? Because we didn't get much yet, but like there's no need for us to really go over it because I'm sure any lore yeah. things we'll talk about will be next podcast. I uh, I assume this is the trial of the arches. That's mm, uh, my crazy theory. All right, Sherlock uh, Holmes. She does have the one line beforehand where the one woman says, does she know what she fears? And Leandrin says uh, she has never faced them, but she is willing. And I'm like, God damn, what is she about to go see in there? So yeah. um, I don't know. Like, I, it kind of is yeah, going to be like a, a test if you can like use your power if you're just like mentally stable or I don't even know what the fuck but she can't even touch it's the one power right now. Good. So she's gonna be fighting Darth Vader, Vader Paul. 
and just like Luke Skywalker when he has to face his biggest fear and he, he sees oh, Darth yeah. Vader. Yeah. Did you the just weirdest spoil Lord of the Rings? I mean, Lord of the Rings. Star Lord Wars. of the Rings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on Alderaan? Or not yeah. Alderaan. Oh, not my Alderaan. God. Dagobah. Yeah, come on. Dagobah. Oh, maybe Dagobah. we should cut that. That whole <laughs> section is cuttable. <laughs> we ran a podcast on Star Wars for a she, little bit. I wasn't also, on it. Also, Leandrin says at the very beginning when she goes to Nynaeve's door, if I could take back what's about <laughs> to be offered, I could. But I already put the wheels in motion. And I was like, she said wheels. The wheels yeah, of time. Yeah. Also, I, Dave, I forgot to. You said about 15 minutes ago, where obviously this episode's dragging on a little bit, but I'm having a good time. So I hope everyone else is. You said when um the dragon broke the wheel, I believe you meant to say the world. So just to yeah, clarify sorry. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. the wheel is firmly. Certainly. Intact. Always will be. Season yeah, one, every time a wheel turning. came on screen, I was like, oh my God, it's a wheel. <laughs> right down, we, right down, do we get a wheel in the sky keeps on turning at some point during this series? That's how the, it's going to close with that. It has to, right? Like, it literally can't not be that long. <laughs> All right. Any comments on anything that happened in the White Tower? White Castle? Your piece? Yeah, in the White Castle. I guess maybe until the end. But All right. We'll move on now to our final bucket, our final storyline, the hunt for the Horn of Valir. So we just kind of pick back up with our hunting party, our tracking party. Uh, Uno is continuing to complain about Elias the tracker, but Elias leads us to a river. And a large building or kind of group of buildings that uh, the group investigates. And we find quite the disturbing slash badass scene kind of there waiting for us. So I would say we're just going to open up everything that happens in this kind of first location. All I could think about when he's like, loyal, stay with the horses. I'm like, all right, so he doesn't have to m- make up and CGI in this scene and like do all this other stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, all right, cool, yeah. sure. But no, it was a really cool way to show that Perrin doesn't know initially he doesn't know if what he's seeing is real or like he genuinely thought there was people in that building yeah that like woman in the door or in the window is pulled straight from the books like that's that, awesome yeah that thing happens for sure so um, the window doesn't actually move he's just seeing that is yeah what he's just seeing that yeah okay oh interesting okay yeah and then we get the classic like so he has the vision and like it's going through and like he tries to talk to them but obviously you know there's no one there and then the fade comes in and then it just like because we're turning with the camera and we're watching the scene go down and we get to inktar and then we just get to elias just staring at parent classic <laughs> elias classic <laughs> it just cracks me up that he literally just stares at him he just stands there and stares at him i'll just say the eyes too. the eyes looked amazing this yeah. in this scene i was pretty impressed with them like they yeah. they didn't look as crazy as they do and fantastical as they did in my head they looked pretty good on Perrin there yeah and I, we just get the classic they're obviously reinforcing this of just the wolf howling howling mm-hmm. howling um when his eyes turn so and then um, let's kind of let's talk about face. my fucking part because this part was sick when they go up to the door and they see the crucified i fade. shit dude I and like, then they're like Oh my god, I was that that moment for me was awesome. It was so little. That is in the books and they're like kind of theorizing what put it up there, what what had the guts or was even capable of nailing a fade to the door like this, but it looked awesome. They like they went up and touched his teeth and shit. Like just how that all looked was like I, I don't know. I just really love that moment. I got so hyped watching that. I was like 10 minutes in, like 15 minutes into the episode. And I'm like, this episode's definitely a banger. Kyle and <laughs> yeah. David Wright and a terrible detail but great detail you know they say he was alive when they did this to him on the door there's so many scratches right where his boots are kind of hanging because the spurs are just you know getting 
the or the Spurs are destroying the door when he's thrashing about when he's alive getting tortured. And I'm like, that's a horrible, horrible thought to have. But the fact they even put that detail in there with the scratch the door just shows how much they're paying attention and want the show to really go next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just I guess quick shout out to Masima is the character that uh kind of says like, hey, you're gonna want to see this. Just shout out to Masima's fucking pythons. Dude, looks so good. <laughs> Dude, I mean, obviously, we've talked about episode one. We'll, we'll bring it up literally every time he's in the show. Just all Last Kingdom fans obviously love seeing him in the show. Citric from the Last Kingdom. I just love that he, him and Uno are the only guys that roll around with the cutoff. Everyone else is like full kind of like plate armor, almost like down mm-hmm. their arms. And Does everybody's like, got string bean arms. That's yeah, why. Exactly. Dude, he looks they fucking totally, massive. Yeah, in the costumes, so they were like, brother, you are not wearing long sleeves. <laughs> like, you are totally rocking that cutoff. Veins were pulsing. I could pretty sure I could see him twitching on fucking every single one yeah, of them in his arms with beast. that sword swing. Um, two little last details I wish want to call out is going to be that Perrin wielding a sword is like super weird. Um, that never happens in the books, to my knowledge. He's just like an, kind of an axe guy through and through. But obviously, we have this level of trauma associated with the axe at this point. Um, so I'm assuming we're going to get like a watershed moment where it's like, you know, last resort. All he can do Dawn is pick axe. up. Yeah, it's like pick up the axe. I think that's going to slap a little bit in the future when that happens. And then the second one is just going to be the parent thinks that Elias is doing something to him. So obviously, they're building a level of like kind of antagonism. Only from parents' perspective. Elias doesn't seem like he gives a fuck. He's just like, ah, brother, like, it don't work like that kind of deal. It's interesting that he would think that Elias is fucking with him when he's been dealing with this shit for six months now. And it's I guess just it's like, the vision thing. I guess, but like, yeah. I but he seems like... It hasn't happened to him, so... Well, like, I mean, which in, is in the first episode, writing, but... In the first episode, though, it seemed like he was, like, almost capable of turning it on and off, you know? Like... He kind of walked up to the scene. I feel like he purposely like shifted his eyes to look around and investigate everything. I mean, I totally could be wrong. I have no idea. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not really sure to be quite honest. Because it does have the line where he's like useful, you know, to know the difference between reality and vision. So and it's just a matter of now. Does Elias is he doing? Does he have the same abilities as Parent? Are they just similar? And he just understands what he's going through. I have no fucking idea. We shall see. We get, I guess, a little bit more in that. So we move now to a small fishing village. We're here to kind of spend the night to gather some information. Um, just a little bit of fun lore thing is they there's a lionfish being butchered. Lionfish is just like a classic thing from the books. That's like an animal in the world. Swan's a big fan of using lionfish as metaphors, and she grew up as a fisherman's daughter in Tyr. Uh, she might, she may or may not even bring it up in season one. I didn't go back and parse through every word from every episode to know that. But then the other thing is just that. Elias kind of tells Perrin like, hey, this is like such a weird comment to make, but like in the context of those two, I guess it makes sense. But he's just like, they're not your pack, boy, the Shinar yeah. and he sleeps under the stars, basically. And Perrin's like, dude, you're weird. Get away from me. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> dude, what, what the fuck? Are you you want to date me? Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? Yeah. Like, we were you talking about me? how Varen has no social skills. Clearly, Elias has no social skills. <laughs> telling <laughs> so. me I don't belong with them and telling me where you're going to sleep tonight. I'm like, all right, Elias, you sneaky <laughs> little dog. Um, but yeah, it was just weird. Yeah, like why? I, unless I mean, we didn't see Elias get captured. Correct me if I'm wrong. At the end, I don't believe we see Elias on the beach. So maybe you know, sleeping under the stars, he was able to escape and saw it coming somehow. But um, yeah, I don't know. That was just, he's he's got to work on his social skills a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we bit we bit there. So speaking of sleeping, uh, Perrin is sleeping peacefully when pretty much all hell breaks loose. The town is attacked by the mysterious group. I'm going to say that we saw at the end of season one. 
So they're kind of finally have popped up. I mean, finally, as in it's only really taken two episodes, which isn't that long, but they've kind of reared their ugly faces. I had this shot of them like leering over Perrin with their helmets. I thought was really good. It was kind of like not necessarily horror inducing, but like it was like, whoa, like that's quite a visual shot. And then it moves, you know, they scare us and then they fucking slap Masima's you know, fucking half naked body just beating this shit out of people right Dude. afterwards. So yeah, it was a little fucking candy at the end of it. <laughs> this whole battle sequence had amazing choreography. It's hard to follow up the Witcher because the Witcher did have like one of the highlights of the Witcher was how perfect the choreography was. This is a close second for me in in battle sequences that I've seen in a long time. Everything about this scene was amazing, especially Sick Trick slash Masima in the beginning, just destroying people in the background without his fucking shirt. Comment on that in a second about the the missing shirt for now. But <laughs> late, like every single one of our boys, including eventually down the line, Loyal and Perrin get moments like Ingtar and Uno like had oh, amazing yeah. moments like all of the I'm just so happy to see this. I'm getting really, really like hyped now because I know in the future there's going to be so many more battles and if they can pull off any of these battles to the level that we're seeing here like we're in good hands because this is the first time we're seeing a non-magical battle and like you need to have these sort of details and choreography down and this was a damn near 10 out of 10 scene for me the just front to back the whole battle sequence the camera angles the music like all of it was really good how we were following Perrin and just again Masima hell yeah that was just amazing um, if Inktar told me to jump off a bridge, I'd fucking jump off a bridge. Like, that man <laughs> is so cool. He's one of the best leaders. Like the the whole conversation he was having with Perrin last episode about you know just not letting anger guide you, and there's a reason behind everything, and then backs it up with being one of the coolest looking fighters out there in sync just with like, Uno. How he used well. the fucking yeah, so good. It, it's great. Um, yeah, like you said, everybody got their moment. Loyal just freaking out. I'm a little upset Perrin didn't you go go full Hulk mode and everything like that with like whatever he did with Valda. But um, I mean everybody else really shined here. Besides Elias, Elias we didn't see at all during this fighting. To um, my knowledge, no. Okay. Yeah. And my God. The, well, I will, you know, the other people come in. These are the people on the ships from last season, the very, very end. They just do a little bit of casting and our boys go fucking flying. Yeah. But when they get woken up to all being dragged to the beach and that fucking palanquin comes in with not just a regular one, it's like a fucking pyramid yes. and they're carrying that motherfucker around. I and wh who I thought was the dark one was up there, but actually it's not. Um, it, it was <laughs> I was just because it's a forsaken Ishmael and we assume this is a dark friend that we saw in season one with the long fingernails. So I'm like, all right, these are fucking big players. Let's go. What the hell? What? I'm, I'm a little nervous for our boys. I'm a little nervous. They're going to die. And yeah. all of them are going to make it. But I mean, she does ask, are they ready? And Shamuel says they're going to fucking have to be. We're in trouble. But yeah. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I thought that this was the scene that like when parents going to help loyal, I thought he was going to like look around and he only going to find an ax and he was going to be like, fuck i gotta use it type of deal but as we were just talking about it i'm gonna put one on the board because this is obviously a change from the books i i hope perrin gets that fucking axe on the ingtar's back or whatever the fuck that thing mm. is because <laughs> that would be sick because ingtar we, we saw he already had a sword so it's like you don't need both of those i mean you're a beast <laughs> but you don't need both of those give the axe to my boy perrin there's so many thoughts going on here. I mean, I'll emphasize everything everyone's already said already the fight was just absolutely incredible. Loved. 
everyone getting their moment to kick some butt. It was amazing. Even Loyal, too, was they needed, you know, how many bodies to try and yeah. even get him on the like ground. Eight. And he was, yeah, and it still wasn't even enough. So it was great seeing him, Mr. Peaceful, you know, yeah. laying some the bodies down. Good, yeah. Yeah, when he needed to. Um, but yeah, in regards to the arrival of like Ishmael and this, this, uh, dark friend, I, so many thoughts were going in my head like what the fuck is happening why is the dark one not on the throne why is he on the left of why is he the left of this like queen woman you know and then we find out later that it's ishmael and it's not even him but we recognize obviously the distinguished fingernails from episode one and can't miss them i already had mentioned this theory to two of these guys i'll just put it on here just for for fuck's sake just in case maybe they the show goes this route but my immediate thoughts were what if elaine elena or elaine i'm sorry elaine. elaine i just what if elaine is the daughter of this woman like she they're talking about like oh you know elaine's the daughter heir and this woman seems to be very regal and you know it seems to be a queen in my mind and i, I just think that would be an interesting plot point that elaine would be the daughter of this woman and so if maybe down the line Elaine is a dark friend or maybe is stuck in a struggle between deciding if she wants to keep going with her mother or if she wants to be continue her friendship with the Gwen. I feel like that would be a, a very interesting plot point. But the only reason I'm not 100% confident in that is because we know that these people are like from a way off land. Like they clearly had to sail here on ships and we know that the two rivers is somewhere that they can walk to. So it's not like these people were coming from that distance. But I still think that would be a great plot twist if Elaine was the daughter of this woman. See so your board. nails a little bit, uh, a little bit shorter. So yeah, Elaine's. <laughs> Elaine walked in yeah. with his fucking long ass fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ah shit. We yeah. knew it. We knew and it. You just like you can't do anything clandestine with the fucking signifying trait like that. Like you know what I mean? Like it's like if you tattooed your whole body and then like robbed a bank naked. Like it's just like you can't you can't yeah. hide that kind of shit. Oh, and no. the part that I didn't get to say, the the shirtless Masima. So if you weren't paying attention, go back and watch. He's fucking everybody up with those shirt without his shirt, just in the background. Mm-hmm. Perrin walks out, and then like a minute later, he walks out with his fucking a whole all the armor <laughs> on. Had the second to you know put you know strap up before going out and yeah, fighting the end of that breath. battle. Yeah, deep breath. Yeah, they were fucking kicking ass. One uh, little point that I'll thing that I'll point out is that it's subtle, and I think we'll we'll get more of it. But I think just like identifying the concept that the woman with the fingernails only spoke to a Shamayel. And then when they were addressing the crowd, the woman to the right of her was the one that spoke. Okay. I just, I have no idea what to think of this scene. I mean, they're asking if Perrin and these boys are ready. And then Nynaeve's <laughs> being asked if she's ready to go in. Like everyone's got to get ready all of a sudden in this fucking episode. I don't know. I have no idea what to expect. Well, Gain's got to get ready for some Rand talk, baby. Yeah, it's just like everyone's <laughs> readying up right now, and I'm just, I can't wait to see where this all goes, but I just don't know how they're going to get out of this. I, I really have no idea. Like, is it, are they going to offer them a chance to join the Dark One? Like, I, I don't think so. So what I'm thinking about is why they didn't just kill him, why they took prisoners is, right. kind of already talked about it last episode, they seem to be... The, like the people with the pacifiers in front of them, they're either controlling them or, or using their ability of the one power. Cause like um, they said, like the one chick at the end of season one finale used Nynaeve and Egwene's power, not her own. So they drew on their power. So I don't know if they're drawing on these pacifier people or just controlling them. 
Um, but they're crazy and maybe they need more. So maybe they're looking for people that are in touch with the one power so they can control them. And that's why they're taking so many prisoners. Maybe they're creating an army. I don't know, but I'm a little nervous that some of our boys are going to get scratched up with those long talons. Good thoughts. Yeah, good, I, good parting shots, honestly. Right I, there, uh, a comment on the the pacifier is interesting in that in the books it's like a like a chain, you know, it's kind of like a choker type deal. Um, so they made that visual change. And to me, it just looks funky because, like you're saying, it, they look like little babies. Um, yeah, <laughs> little sh- the shaved heads, are little babies. Yeah, they literally look like babies. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I assume slash hope that will grow on me, but just interesting little change there. <laughs> Um, the hockey masks are terrifying. Yeah. MVP, yeah, I'm ready for LVP. LVP. Yeah. All right. I started last time, so I'll go last. Um, who went last? Dave, you did, right? Yeah, Dave. Did. I thought I went first. Yeah, Dave went last, so went, I'll go first. Anyway. Yeah. It's okay. I'll go. You first. went, Dave. You went first for giving your your updated. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's three that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me pull this up. Sorry, put it down. All right. MVP. Wow, I have options here. I like listed out so many, and I can just choose <laughs> one, and I get to pick. All right. Um, MVP. I think it was pretty obvious earlier. We're just going to give it to Varen. Like oh, I said, nice. it was just a great character growth for me. I just, I'm really enjoying her character that she's like with the boys now. We know she's Team Dragon Reborn. Yeah, she's first. I guess you can well. never really 100% confirm that. There's always the chance she could be a dark friend, but I'm just going to ride or die that she is uh, for Ferda. Um, she's been awesome. And Does that mean she, you're a brown Aja guy? No, I'm a fucking dumbass. I would not fit in with brown Aja's. <laughs> It would just make fun of me for being a fucking idiot. In (laughs) season one uh, recap, you said you were thinking green, Aja, because oh yeah, I'm bang battle bang and they're battling. Yeah, that sounds perfect for me. I don't have to. I don't (laughs) use my brains on the battlefield. I just fucking swing my pythons around. The show has kind of it's been morphing a little bit into like green Aja propaganda almost. (laughs) Yeah, it really has been. Um, and then LVP. Gotta give it to the one who's been shitting on my boy all episode. Gotta give it to Moraine. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we're gonna tough. get some eye rolls on that Easy. one. That was pretty yeah. obvious. Yeah. Just yeah, I can't believe it... she fell to third to third, I guess, to go to me in episode one. I was like, this it feels obvious to me. <laughs> yeah, this she has not had a great two episodes. I think I said that in the first episode too. She's she's been a little bit of a a little bit of a swant, but there's Whoa. obviously there's reasons That's for true. it though. There's obviously reasons for it. But when you're talking that poorly to my boy. You're gonna take that LVP, so that's where I'm at. Um. All right. So for yeah, MVP, go, I'll go Rand, just because I didn't even know he was making moves. I was thinking this was all coincidence, <laughs> yeah, but at, I love that. <laughs> at, after talking at, like through this episode, I'm like, hell yeah, he's not just sitting around. I'm glad he's actually going out and doing something. Um, so we he's talked about, him into MVP yeah, status. Paul, yeah. Paul learned so much from us having this conversation, which I yeah, love. Jesus the dark Christ. one. What? Yeah, that <laughs> Not, was fucking great, dude. I just I need to be with you guys when watching. Um, <laughs> and for LVP, um, I'm gonna go Nynaeve for one revealing herself to Leandrin. We just talked about that, and because Leandrin, you should have known she was gonna overreact, and then two. Just walking up to the door, not knocking, eavesdropping, and then walking away at the worst second. I absolutely hate that trip. That was a solid mahogany door. You're telling me you could hear Egwene talking like she's right on the other side of it perfectly, like it's not muffled? Get out of here. <laughs> All right, I'll go next. Um, MVP is kind of hard for me, to be quite honest. So I'm going to start with LVP. 
And I will say that this is whoa, this is quite a change. I'm gonna say Elias is my LVP, even though wow. he was just my MVP last episode. Um, just because parents also my boy, and uh, clearly the the standing and staring ain't working. So he's gonna have to go back to the drawing board and work something up here because <laughs> because it ain't working out for him. Uh, and then MVP, I'm gonna be cheeky <laughs> and I'm gonna take two MVPs, and one of them's gonna be Masima's left bicep, and the other one's gonna be Masima's <laughs> right bicep. <laughs> Not Masima, just his gun. No, no, just the guns, just the guns. I'm, I, I accept every. I accept. Okay, it. that's fine. That's good. Um, yeah, obviously, Masima was number one for me. <laughs> uh, then I had Varen as number two. So my MVP by default goes to Matrin Coffin because he had a great episode. This is the Matt I've been waiting to see on screen. Um, and I liked how, again, I just like, I feel like it defines his whole character, him just knowing how Leandrin's locking the door and walking away. It was just really fun to see him in this mood because it's been a while. So I thought Matt had a great episode and I'm looking forward to more from his actor. So Matt's going to be my MVP. And then my LVP is going to be Sir Podrick. Um, the one that was yeah. fucking with Rand's friend Errol because he he, was, he had it coming. He had yeah, Jan, whatever. I don't even care about his name. He's <laughs> yeah, not even worth the right? name. Yeah, yeah, but he was a dick, so he's he was my pick for that. All right. Um, does anyone have any parting shots or thoughts? It's just I just all these twists that keep coming. I'm not expecting them, and I'm I'm loving every second of them. Like season one. I mean looking back it's just like so obvious that all these things like shouldn't be surprising to me yet they still are which is i think one of the beauties of this show is that like on a rewatch it's so obvious these these subtleties like it's so obvious that the dark one isn't the dark one it's so obvious that drag like rand is the dragon reborn and i i don't know obvious how many to who, brother? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, our guy over there thought it was a Gwen the whole time <laughs> well i'm just saying on the rewatch at nah, least but, with you. but yeah. it's I, I don't know how many more twists that, like this show can keep providing oh, us endless. and i know and it's just i i guess i don't expect it with this kind of trope like there's usually like one or two big reveals kind of at the end like with the witcher it, it, there was only kind of one big twist here we've already had like three separate twists that i'm just getting like mind blown fine witcher had two big big twists <laughs> As Paul give him some credit and, but real time we're already in season two and we're we have like at least three and i've been really loving the show it, this these two episodes are really also emphasizing just how much of the world we still have yet to see we're getting so many character name drops so many places dropped here and i'm just so excited to keep going and episode three is gonna be a fucking banger too my only parting shot is that this was the best episode of the series. I've thought about that a lot, and I'm going to stand by that, that we are just all rise, baby. We are fucking there. I told, I said at the end of us watching it, this is potentially has a pathway back to a, a low S tier show. Because this episode it might already be there, baby. It's yeah, Dave, there. Dave thinks it's there. I think it's I there. Loved I, it. I agree with you, though. I think this was like, I'm not going to write away. So I'd have to think on it again, but this is definitely a top top episode top for me two like top minimum two. for me if i think about oh, yeah. it but like it's i'm, I'm leaning it's the best but, in the series but the show this episode bumped it from high a to low s for me yeah i'm just excited for every storyline now you know before this episode i didn't know if i really liked a whole lot of nynaeve and Egwene's training it was still cool but like now i'm even more into it and everything with parent and um brand and just the whole crew matt 
it's I'm so happy whenever any of them come on screen now. And j- just think about this too, right? 14 books. This is about 10% of the way into book two, and the first two books are the smallest books. So that's how far into this series we are. We're basically on like episode five of Game of Thrones, is how I you could view it of season one. Like we are just warming up. So like that's that's what you got to keep in the back of your head too. Love it. Yeah, it just makes me happy to hear how much the the two of you who have not read the books are really enjoying the show. Um, I I think this is definitely the best episode that they've put out. I'm gonna say almost by like it feels like by a large margin. Um, I like this episode. Yeah, I was gonna say it's this, and I think episode three from season one for me personally. Um, we're four. I'm still. We're four. I'm I'm still in the like cautiously optimistic. Like they're definitely winning me over. Dave and I were talking about this after we watched this the episode yesterday. Of like I'm still kind of like my gut reaction to things they do is like oh they fucked that up until like you know they comes back around and I'm like and then they show me you know that like oh they're actually not making the change that I thought they were making and like my gut reaction still is like. Oh, that changed. Like, oh, they fucked it up a little bit, but like they're totally winning me completely back over. Like, I am excited to watch these episodes. I am excited to talk about these episodes. Like, they're just, they're putting up good numbers right now. They're checking a lot of motherfucking boxes for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see kind of how things develop in the future. But right now, I am like unbelievably content with, with kind of the trajectory and what we've gotten so far. So I I'm feel- just stoked. I feel like I'll feel those kind of same ways about the One Piece live action. Like I'll have yeah, those hesitancies sure. while watching, but like still be rooting for it at the end of the day. But yeah. I can understand. All righty. That is going to do season two, episode two. And I totally forgot the name of it. season two, Strangers. episode two, two hour long podcast. <laughs> yeah. Strangers and friends. That was a long one. I had like fucking eight pages of notes. So I think we hit everything. If we didn't, and you think you're smarter than us, which you probably are, comment, subscribe, like, uh, DM, Discord, do all that stuff, uh, interact with us. We would like to talk more about it, obviously. I mean, I could keep talking for hours about this, but we got to we gotta cut it now. Um, yeah, we're covering One Piece, like Dave just mentioned. We're covering Jujutsu Kaisen. I think we have some other shows cooking up in the background um, that some other people are, are, are uh, trying to latch on to. Obviously, it's a thing that the writer strike and actor strike is a thing. So once we finish Wheel of Time and things like that, we might pop into older shows. So um, definitely just join our Discord, talk about you can even give us suggestions. How about that? And also check out everything we've done before. We've done a plethora of things. Um, we got a lot of good content out there, and we'll keep bringing it to you. We'll be here every Wheel of Time episode. We're not going anywhere unless they really pissed me off somehow worse than they did at season one finale. So uh, we'll be here for all of them. Liam Hemsworth is coming to wheel of time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Hemsworth as Randall Thor. That would be insane. <laughs> all right. We'll end it on that note. Thank you guys for listening. Love you guys. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.